This episode of the Tokunet podcast is sponsored by Tokulectables, CS Toys Japan, and the webcomic Red Belt. If you would like to hear your name or business at the beginning of the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash the Tokunet. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tokenet Podcast. I am your host, Yasin, and I am joined by Malinus. I couldn't make room for Ghoster Zia because they're not as important. <laughs> and Brody. Tokenet Podcast Kita! That was the wrong episode, but okay. I know. But <laughs> he was in all three. It's it's my it's my thing. It's just my thing. <laughs> You've been in like two episodes. How do you already have a thing? It's 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 my thing outside the podcast. I love Jose oh. that much. Oh, uh, okay. See, that's the problem with being the host. I just kind of go in and say my name. Everybody else gets to do, you know, ooh, crazy, wacky intro things or whatever. <laughs> yeah, for the uh, for the for the podcast I do that's uh, writer toy related. Uh, the joke is that I never actually say my name. Oh, really? <laughs> Because I, I focus more on just having a goofy intro. I mean, Yassine, Yassine, it's not too late for you. Ah, uh, I have to be put on the spot. No. <laughs> 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 I used to do stuff, uh, something, I used to just make a random noise when I wasn't hosting. And when I get introduced, I just go, eh! that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I don't come up with anything witty. Just make random noises. Anyway. Part three. <laughs> so this is part three of our Heisei retrospective look at the Kamen Rider series. Um, this episode, we are going to be talking about Kamen Rider Ghost all the way up until Kamen Rider Geo that ended about a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Not to date this episode, but here, here we are. <laughs> so here we are in the future. I don't know if this will date uh, the episode, but uh, zero one is still very good. Oh man, what if it comes like by the time this episode comes out, <laughs> Geo just like seriously tanks, and everybody's just like, I don't know. That, I what? guess that uh, that that will be the uh, the indicator. Hey, just, just have this as a time capsule of when zero one was amazing, and if it, you know, shits the bed. Well, <laughs> that's how it is. I mean, let's look at it this way. Um, it probably won't get bad by Christmas. Mm-hmm. Christmas is usually when it peaks. Mm-hmm. Or, or we'll maybe, not, not, maybe not peaks, but you, you know what I mean. Uh, judging by the shows that we're about to talk about, that's kind of hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, first show that we're going to talk about is Kamen Rider Ghosts. The Kamen Rider series from 2015. It stars... Tenkuji, hold on, what was the name again? Dang. He said his name in almost fifty episodes. It becomes it becomes one of those things where you hear it so many times it kind of becomes background noise. I mean, fair. It's also a meme, though. It is a meme, but I'm an old guy that doesn't pay attention to memes, so no. <laughs> There's hope for me yet. 
<laughs> you know what else is a you know what else is a meme in this show? Takeru dies a lot. A lot. Oh, oh, you want to talk about that already? He dies five times total. He dies once at the beginning to become Common Rider Ghost. He dies mm-hmm. when uh, you know at the end of the first arc when he gets Tokuribus. He dies. Yes. Um, he dies. Uh, what was it? It was for Mugen uh, when he gets his uh, final form. Just that one. That one was for like no reason. So it made me very angry when it happened. Just random icon burst. Um, and then he died in one of his movies. I think it was the summer movie. Yep, and then he moment. also yes. And then he also died in Heisei Generations at the very. Well, okay, he didn't die, but he would. He like passed out, and Emu had to resuscitate him. And it makes me so mad. I mean, that part was kind of fitting, and it was also kind of like a gag on the other times. But that's not dying though. If you pass out, you're not dead. Okay, fair, fair. But he was like, he had to be resuscitated, though. Yeah, but that's not dead. It's close. But the joke that I've always made is that it's like the writers just realize, oh, right, we're, we're supposed to do something with this. Okay, let's write it into this last scene. But also, <laughs> I wonder if they, I didn't really see trailers at the time, but I wonder if they did that just for the trailer. I mean, maybe. Just for suspense. I would, I mean, but it's not even suspenseful at that point because it happened four other times. <laughs> All right, let's 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 back up oh, yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, at the start of Kamarada Ghost, you follow Ten- Tenkuji Takeru, mm-hmm. who on his 18th birthday gets killed by the Gamma, and he gets uh, sort of brought back to life by an old hermit who says, "You need to." Uh, collect the 15 icons in 99 days or you'll be dead forever. Dragon Ball GT. Very, I don't know, I haven't seen Dragon Ball GT. Well, the idea was collect collect those Dragon Balls or the Earth explodes. Well, I mean, that's kind of every Dragon Ball thing. Something's gonna, everybody's gonna die if you don't get the Dragon Balls and wish something and well, in this case, it was specifically tied to the Dragon Balls. Like, you make a wish on mm. these uh, red or whatever Black Star Dragon Balls, and uh, if you don't collect them in this time limit, the Earth explodes. Right. Okay. Anyway, that sounds vaguely familiar. But yeah, so the so we go on this quest for him to get these fifteen icons that are based off of historic figures, um, and the first thirteen, twelve or thirteen episodes is about him collecting these uh, icons. And then he dies and then gets the soul of his father as a icon and everything gets reset and he has to recollect the 15 icons um, and then hilarity and antics ensue <laughs> and this show is a mess. It's like it's like the writer was just like no 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 hold on no, hold on I have a better idea of how to execute this. <laughs> I mean I mean see the the worst part about the icon collecting and then recollecting is that after they recollect them they realize okay we we can't do this a third time probably so instead we're just going to give him personal time with most of the personalities inside the icons. I mean they're they're Dragon Balls they're Dragon Balls if the Dragon Balls could talk. I mean. They kind of did manage to get through all of them by the end. It's just that it took them a while. Like there's a yeah. there's a there's a key episode where all of them kind of uh, join into a fight together, and afterwards they finish off the last remaining two. So that's kind of how long they drag that out. Yeah, that wasn't super graceful. Mm-hmm. 
But I will say that I like the approach of the latter the yeah. episodes after the first 13 because it f- I didn't feel connected to anything that was happening in the yeah. first yes. 13 episodes. Like the whole, uh, it was always like a weird tethered logic as to how the icon was connected to the host that mm-hmm. he had to help. Sometimes it made sense. Sometimes it was kind of, I mean, it was kind of loose. I don't know. In my and opinion, th- there were a lot of them where you didn't really get to see the origin of them. It- it's like Spectre yeah. shows up with uh, Tutankhamun, and it's just like, where th- where do you get that one? Yeah. Okay, okay, but the but the bigger sin with uh, you see what I did there. The bigger sin mm-hmm. with Spectre and showing up with random icons is the fact that we never find out where the Spectre icon came from. Like Takeru transforms into his base form using the Ora icon, which is his soul. Makoto isn't dead. What is the Spectre icon? His sister. That's not true. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that yeah, this show was kind of frustrating to watch. And uh, just on the subject of the historical figures, uh, right. you know, I, I made the joke, but I genuinely think that there must have just been some conversation behind the scenes that said. The show isn't as educational as we wanted it to be from the beginning. Can we do something to fix that? And then suddenly the icons could talk. Yeah, because in the first 13 episodes, there was always like a little info card that showed up that talked about... Yeah. It It barely educated. Yeah. And it, there, there were they kind of worked it into Takadu's personality a bit because there was a point where he was just like, oh, that's like Beethoven, the famous composer. It was like he was kind of this nerd for history. And right. it, they didn't even make use of that very much. Well, I mean, I mean, there's a common pattern throughout Common Rider Ghost of 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 giving of giving him like they'll, they'll come up with an idea and they'll use it. And then they'll just abandon it for no reason. Like, he stopped using the iguana thing for, <laughs> like, like not too long into the series. He stopped flying around and phasing through things and turning invisible. They actually came up with an explanation in the show specifically so they wouldn't have to keep making him turn invisible because it was inconvenient for plot. Um, so he stopped being a ghost, basically, despite being a ghost. Um... Yeah, can we just 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 talk for a second about the Captain Ghost, which is apparently a sentient pirate ship that turns into an iguana? I completely forgot about that. They introduce oh it as if it's it's a living creature, but then like it's there's also like multiples in the movie. Oh right, that's the movie I didn't see. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I, I I didn't either. There's just like the group of dark specters, which are kind of just these generic grunts, mm. and they all have their own. Oh my gosh! What is it with Common Rider Ghost and Spec Evil Specter? Or did I say did I say Dark Specter? I meant Dark Necron. Oh right, 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 right. All of them had their all of them had their own dark counterpart in the movie. Oddly enough. Yeah. So the. Uh... The first time we actually see Ghost is in, uh, I believe it's the... Surprise yep. Future? Drive. Surprise Future, yeah. And one of the, that's one of those times where you see the next year's writer and they use a slightly different aesthetic mm-hmm. and a slightly different way of movement. And I really wish that they used it for yeah. Ghost because it definitely felt 
a lot more ominous, a lot spookier. Um, he had this weird aura to him that just felt like it creeped out. <laughs> it I, I was about to say the other I, writers. I don't remember who he was fighting. I think it was just like a generic disposable monster. But even the monster was just like, "You're scary, dude." He fought like one of the one of the remaining Roid Mudes that were like movie yeah. exclusive Roid, Roid or movie exclusive Roid Mude. Yeah. Oh right, he didn't really meet the other. He didn't meet Drive or anybody, right? Well, yeah. actually, well. Uh, I'm pretty sure Shinosuke and um, and Kibiko saw him fighting and were just sort of watching, but he didn't like interact with them at the time. But they didn't interact until the until the, the the final episode of Drive. Drive, yeah. Which is uh, I I always look back on that thinking that probably doesn't fit in with the timeline that Ghost has, just on the subject of being different when you get to the actual show. Well, I mean, they actually had a, so it was like episode three or four by this point. Yeah. Um, and they introduced the Newton icon, and the Newton icon is the one that was in Drive, and they and they flash back to it. He, all he says is that icon. Yeah. From that basically. from that one time. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But either way, they they sort of shoehorn the continuity together enough yeah. that I could get behind it. Continuity. I was trying to make a pun stop. there. That didn't uh, work. Abandoned that one. Stop. <laughs> um, before we get too far away from when we were talking about the first thirteen episodes and just how that how we how we felt about that, mm-hmm. for, um, you know, I my, my opinion kind of uh, it's kind of different from yours about it. Uh, I enjoyed the first thirteen episodes. I mean, they've got their issues, but the way I see it. I've kind of accepted by this point that the first 13 episodes of any common Rider show are typically prone to being a bit slow and kind of, you know, trying to find their footing. I usually wait until af- until Christmas or after Christmas to see how it's going to go. And the way that I feel about the way that I feel about the first 13 episodes is that Takeru had a pretty decent arc leading up to Token Boost. And yeah. you see you see him getting used to being a ghost, you see him getting used to this whole situation and sort of learning to cope with it and it's it's kind of like grief almost and I, I i don't know and i just really like the debut of token boost and i thought it was a nice uh way to top off the arc yeah i guess I, I guess it's worth saying from my perspective that uh yeah i i look at the first dozen or so episodes in retrospect saying okay maybe this wasn't the best but i know at the time i was way into the show i yeah i, I was i was a little bit i was more interested in some of the characters than I was of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Everything that all kind of felt a bit confusing, and I didn't like uh, Makoto, and I still don't like Makoto. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I I don't really like the idea that you have to expect the first arc to be slow and m- kind of messy, and not like you have to wait until. Like in Sentai, a lot of times they're like, "Oh, it doesn't pick up until the 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 extra ranger comes in or whatever." It's like, it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. And a lot there are shows that don't do that that still have something interesting interesting going build. on before that. Yeah, build is like that. Uh, I'd even say X Eight. Mm, X is kind of like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I when some, when a show does something like this, that just makes it harder for me to be invested. When it does get good, that was the problem with like uh, Drive. It yeah. took a long time for it to get really good or get interesting, 
And when it got interesting, it wasn't for a long time. So if uh, when you say like, oh, it's going to it's going to get good around Christmas, that's a long time. Well, <laughs> for okay. a weekly show. So, I mean, it's it's less that it's going to get good around Christmas and more that by Christmas, it, you you can sort of see what direction it's going. It sort of picks up in the plot department. Um, and I, and I, I agree, it doesn't have to be like that, and it's not exactly a good thing that it does that most of the time. Yeah. It's just something that I've sort of come to terms with. Something I've noticed, yeah, I yeah. just sort of, you know, I don't have to like it, but I can accept it, that just because it is a thing. True, that's true. I it just, I think I'm, I guess I'm kind of putting the whole anime, uh, like, roll of thumb, where it's like, for anime, if it's like a thirteen episode show, they're like, you know, if it's the first two or three episodes don't catch you, then kind of drop it. I don't do that with 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 uh, Tokusatsu, but if it's episode thirteen and I'm not feeling it, I can already think, oh man, this is gonna be a rough ride. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and then and then you kind of just telegraph, oh, the last fifteen episodes are where the show's really gonna get good, and at that point, it's like, well, that's doesn't save the show at all like you can have an amazing uh last third of a show but i had to sit through six months or eight months of crap so yeah i don't know um it really doesn't help this situation in particular that ghost kind mm. of limped its way to the finish line <laughs> yeah it, it it had a few interesting uh batches of episodes and maybe an interesting arc that didn't actually go anywhere like it had some ideas that it felt like it wanted like for example the whole gamma world and the stuff with alan and his family i thought at first it was going to be really cool and really interesting seeing like what they were trying to what that family was trying to pull off in that whole world but then it kind of just I don't know. It 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 goes in a direction that I feel like wasn't very compelling. Well, I mean, there's a few pieces to that. It's like mm. on the one hand, they were trying to make it sort of this, oh, earth it needs to be saved by us Ganma because we live in a paradise. Um we live in this in this utopian society where we don't have to worry about death or disease. Yeah, everyone's in comatose coffins. Yeah, yeah, you know, utopias are never actually utopias. But the problem was that they didn't really establish well. I, I don't. I personally don't think they established much about the Gonma world very well, and I yeah. and that doesn't help us get invested in the villains and why they think they're so right because the Gonma yeah. world looks like a wasteland. Yeah. It, now that you mention it, they, you were saying that they. Uh, didn't really flesh out the Ganma world. They actually, Igor actually uh, establishes that they have something other than science. I don't remember what it was called, but it was just some weird pun that involved eyes. That sounds about right. Uh, yeah. it, it was it was like the word for science, but they changed to kanji, and uh, I thought that was kind of clever, but they never actually, literally did nothing with it. You know, speaking of science, um, Akari... Yeah, she's good. Right, yeah. I, I as far as characters go, she's probably my favorite character along with uh uh Onari. Yeah. He was the only other one that had a, a name and was important, so 
<laughs> well, I always found Yudasen a bit, you know, interesting. The way I see it, um, Akari just has some of the best depth in the whole show as far as deep characters go. Like, she's probably second only to Alan, I would think. Just because, like, you see you see her struggling with the issue of, oh, we need Takaru to be living. And, you know, Takaru kind of forgets that he needs to save himself. And she gets all frustrated and sad. And it's, it's, a, it's a thing. But there's also the whole science versus uh, faith thing that she struggled with a lot. Yeah, because oh, yeah. her whole deal overall, I I don't know if she had the same motivation all the way through, but at one point she was like, I'm going to prove that the Ganma aren't, are, can be explained with science or something. Yes, I remember that. Well, that was her whole thing is that everything can be solved with science. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it was when she was involved. Yeah. Uh, but she also kind of had to come to terms with the fact that she is dealing with some supernatural stuff that can't mm-hmm. really be explained. And I was I was also going to insert the obligatory downer where it's like she was a great character except for this one arc. <laughs> that yeah, was uh, right. that it was uh, well after the whole thing with Steve Bills, the best named character in the show, um, <laughs> and his company being taken over by Ganma. They they dealt with that, and then uh, we, the audience, find out that Steve Bills is still possessed by Ganma. But then, like a much later arc, one of uh, uh, some wristband that came from this company was causing someone to see Ganma, and Akari is like, must not be related. Mm. Like she, she should be able to see the the connection, but she doesn't. Yeah, but like I, you know, I'm glad you brought up the company thing because that whole arc is one of the best examples in the whole show of the of just the story being completely disconnected from itself and from what the show was supposed to be. Like, okay, the evil villains are controlling a tech company. Why? <laughs> Igor? We're, we're, we're watching a ghost show, I thought. Apparently not. Steve Bills! <laughs> Steve, Steve Bills. Oh boy. Um yeah, and then the and then like around that same time you have Clone Makoto, which I oh I love talking about Clone Makoto and how little sense he makes. It's just like when when that came up it was just like what is this show doing? Yeah, like honestly, I they had me hooked when they first introduced Clone Makoto because it seemed like it was going to be an interesting plot point for once. And then it wasn't. Because it went nowhere and didn't mm-hmm. mean anything in the end because Clone Makoto just sort of sacrificed himself to save Canon, And I guess the point was, oh, he just sort of became the same as the original, I guess. Yeah, but like when I said, what is this show doing? I meant it more in like, what what is going on? What on earth is going on with the show is what I was getting at. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. And it was like that from start to finish. Pretty much. I, yeah. Alan, right though? The show. Alan, though? Uh, Good character. Yeah, I guess. Alan was a shining light when the show, like, right before the show really struggled. Like, his whole arc, I, I don't know. Originally, I really thought they were just going to sort of have him be the villain. But then they started to go in this direction of, no, see, he's doing evil things, 
but he thinks he's doing good things. And he, mm-hmm. like, they sold that really well with him. They just didn't sell it well with any of the other Ganma. Um, because, you know, again, they didn't flesh out the Ganma world. They didn't explain why they thought they were right. They were just, it was just sort of Adele being like, oh, I am the world. <laughs> and, but, but then there's Alan, and he wanted to be friends with Makoto, and he thought that he, that just Makoto doing what he wants was friendship, and he had to learn that wasn't the case. Typical rich kid. I mean, yeah. Like, his whole arc, and just learning how to be a person's friend, and learning what Earth has to offer, and why the Gamma world is maybe not the best solution to all the problems that exist in a world. The And, and just topping it off with that ta- takoyaki fight, mm-hmm. I mean, I had never had takoyaki before that episode, and I went out to the to the Japanese food truck on my campus at the time, and I had some, and I love it now. But oh, that nice. fight was that fight was just amazing either way. Fight was amazing. That was that was the Sakamoto episode, right? I wouldn't be surprised. I think it was. It was the one where he had to he was training uh, against the three ghost figures or something like that, and he was. Oh, that was a. a I, I think that was a later one. Was it? Oh, because okay. because uh, I I always I always think of the takoyaki fight referring to when he kind of comes around and yeah. uh, starts wearing questionable clothes. Oh, yes. okay. Because okay, so that was after because he just starts eating takoyaki in like every episode, right? Yeah. Well, it was the same episode I think where Grandma Fumi died. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was the yeah. That was probably the most touching moment in the show, mm-hmm. probably. And I mean, Alan definitely became an interesting character, but he doesn't really stick out to me in my memory. Like when I think back to the show, Mm -hmm. I don't really, even though he was arguably the best part of the show, he wasn't enough to carry the show. There's a reason for that. (laughs) That is called Comrade of Ghost. Uh, up until the point where he actually started going through that uh, character arc, he was just kind of there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what I was also, I was also going to say, I'm not going to say that he was the one who started this, but I think he may be a factor in the current trope of third writer is an enemy that becomes a friend. And possibly also a comedy relief. Yes. So... It's to the point that uh, I saw some people referring to these evil writers in Zero One as Wazkrom. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I feel I feel like that's kind of that was originally a trope for the secondary writer, right? Mm. Like yeah. I mean, you 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 get uh, antagonists, well, mm. semi antagonists like I don't know. Meteor was kind of doing his own thing for a while, and then he becomes friends with. Uh, Gentoro, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's kind of sidelined. Oh, yeah. Well, what I'm referring to is just the third writer, specifically the third writer who is with the villains and then becomes okay, yeah. one of the good guys. Oh, wait, wait, wait. But, but Chaser. But, yeah. That's why I said, I, I was about to say, I, I, I'm not going to say that Necrom was the first to do it, but he right. is the definitely one like, he's a big pattern. one. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but I, I will say there was another. Ganma, uh, sort of, someone in the ranks of the Ganma army that was a Sentai actor. He was Geki Chopper in um, Geki Ranger. Was this uh, oh. ja, ja, 
I don't know how to say his name. I, I always went with Javert because that's the close to uh, the French name. It was it was the one where, where uh, he he was like introduced as one of the upper generals, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember him, Jabel Javert, because <laughs> he was always against uh, or always opposed to Alan, and then Alan kind of gets becomes nice to him by the end, but then he he also disappears for a large chunk of the show. There, you know, I'm seeing a pattern emerge in these discussions where we bring up a character and then we say, and they were just there. <laughs> you know, uh, you. I assume you were talking about Javier. I was just saying, yeah, saying the name. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I was going to say, uh, sadly, a bigger victim of this is Jiro, who is uh, mm. incidentally played by Seiji Takaiwa, the suit actor for most main writers. Oh, right, right, right. Because he just kind of disappears after his first episode, and then I think towards the end, he has a moment where he's like, wait, the person that I'm following is evil, huh? And I don't really (laughs) think that, I don't really know what they did to follow that up. I can't remember. I just remember thinking, man, they had Seiji Takaiwa play a character, and he didn't kick at any point. Did he he not? I I thought he did. I just, in my mind, I always thought, He's got to have a writer kick with Ghost at some point, and I don't think he ever oh, had yeah. that moment. Nah. <laughs> I mean, considering Wizard's style, just kicks are a, are a neat thing in Rider, no matter what mm-hmm. show you're watching. Mm-hmm. That technically wasn't Takaiwa. Oh. I think. Oh, a lot of the crazy, like... Ironically, that was the kicks. one person, that was the one writer aside from Kuga or Hibiki, right? Uh, well, no, he was he was the main writer. But he also worked with another stuntman mm. who was an XMA artist. So oh, whenever so. it was like a crazy flip or spin or something like that, that was usually oh. the other guy. Oh, no, and I Takaiwa was usually all the normal stuff and the acting parts of Wizard. Oh, nice. But yeah, you were right that uh, Kuga and Hibiki are the only ones that where he's, like, he's not the mm. suit actor for the main writer. And now... Zero one, yep. Which is his first time since, yeah, he began. Yeah, finally he gets a break. But now he, but he, I mean, he's still another writer in the show. Oh, is he? I didn't actually know. That. <laughs> I think so. I have to, I have to check, but I think he's still another writer. I've, I've been seeing it on Twitter, but I don't know for sure. Uh, before I forget, one one thing I will say about Ghost uh, is that. I always really enjoyed the design aesthetic for the show, like with the oh, yeah. right with the writer suits and the monsters. Absolutely, I, just, I, I love the fact that the monsters also seem to be borrowing from historical figures, and yeah. usually they show up. Usually, the ones that show up are tied to the form that debuts, like uh, the the episode with the Beethoven form. Uh, the monster is most likely based on Mozart. Like, I thought that was a kind of a cool little uh, design choice. Oh, totally. Like, I, I would absolutely agree on that. And I, I love, it, you know, it makes me so mad when a show that has amazing design sense has really bad characters or story. Mm. And, you know, there, I always say that there's only two toku shows right now that as the one, out of the ones that I've seen that I actively dislike. Ghost mm. and Ninja. And both share that aspect. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Kiva is another one for me, where I, I love the designs of Kiva, but 
that show is not good. I I enjoyed it more than I didn't like it. Ghost is the only one that I actively did not like out of Common Rider. It's it's a show that I have mixed feelings on because I like you said I really like all its ideas. It's just I feel like uh, they could have uh, tightened it up a little bit. There's, there's, there was a whole thing where, I mean, you can go back to other podcasts that we've talked about, Comrade Shows, hmm. or I guess any really reviewed, and there was a trend for a long time where if the show had good designs, mm-hmm. it's a good chance it's not going to be a good show. Or the other trend, which is that if one show is really good, then the next one... <laughs> it's, it's hit or miss sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I remember... Yeah, being really bum- like being really bummed at the designs of Tokyo, but then loving the show, and then mm-hmm. Ninja had amazing designs, and then really cr- crapping out in the story. Yeah, um, yeah, stuff like that. Um, Ghost, I, I, I remember loving the design at first, and as the show goes on, I'm like, it's it's cool, but it's not my favorite in any way. I don't think it's a bad design. The only part that I think is bad is the belt itself, mm-hmm. which I don't. I've never liked the aesthetic of the belt it just feels i know what they're going for but color wise it does kind of stand out but uh i don't know sometimes that can uh, be a good thing but yeah from a design standpoint it's kind of a cool idea maybe rough execution since it's just one color i don't know it always just felt i don't know what the word is but out it of, kinda... maybe maybe out of place with the rest of the costume i was about to say mm-hmm. goofy Goofy, but also it just feels, it gives, it just, I don't know. I can, all I can say is just like, yuck. Hmm. I, don't, I, I don't like that well, belt. <laughs> one thing that I can uh, appreciate about color-wise is uh, with Ghost, there are so many lead writers that are just black and silver with red, and then Ghost is just like, black and silver, but orange. Hmm. Yeah. And nice I like color. that the orange is a lot of like lining and like highlights instead of like the main color. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Okay, but... You know, it kind of stings a little that they went with orange just because it's a very Halloween-y color, and then they didn't do spooky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. that's that's a good point. <laughs> Ironically, um, this character is very adorable. He's a friendly ghost. He's, uh, he he's a cinnamon roll. I will mm-hmm. say Takeru as a character, I mean, he doesn't... I don't know. I don't know if I can say how much he actually grows in the show, because it kind of feels like he doesn't learn too much by mm-hmm. the end of it. But I I won't say I'm, I'll say I I enjoyed watching Takeru go from problem to problem. Like he just seemed like a very down to earth guy. Like he's he just wants people to be happy and stuff like that. Like he's he's a happy go lucky kind of guy for the most part. I don't I don't know if it's the writer that's doing it, but. It feels like there's someone on the writing staff who makes him especially kind of cheesy sometimes. Because, like, I, it, you know, we were talking about the Ghost and XA crossover movie. One of the moments that always stood out to me was, uh, you know, he's going back to a normal life. He's in high school, apparently. Yeah. And then there's just one point where he's not really paying attention. He just says, oh, sorry, I was just thinking about how much it's nice to feel alive. Oh, yeah. I, I remember <laughs> yeah. that one. True, I mean, but at the same time, if you're if you're dead for either, I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. It's just, my point was just that it seems like some there must be just some writer that's not clicking with me, where sometimes his dialogue seems a little bit too whimsical. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, he spends the latter half of the show constantly saying, 
like his solution to every fight at a certain point becomes it's humanity's infinite potential and he gives some Mugen speech no about that. yes exactly and it's it's all about that and then he goes into mugen form and then he wins and that's yeah. why that, that's part of why he doesn't it feels like he doesn't grow and learn that much because he's a he's always got sort of a similar mentality going through the whole show and sure you could say that's consistency of personality but he doesn't oh he doesn't come across many struggles where he has to actively change as a person to overcome them i mean a lot of writers have that kind of thing where they they just have that kind of i don't know slogan or just something that they live by and they just they say that in every conflict that they go through I actually, I actually learned recently Shonen Jump, who uh, makes manga such as Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, their tagline at one point was "friendship, uh, energy, uh, encouragement," or something. It was just like a tagline that basically summed up every Shonen story. Yeah. Well, that sounds about right. But mm-hmm. I mean, my my take on T- Takadu's personality is really just that it, it boils down to. He's the kind of guy I would totally want to be friends with. He seems like a great guy. That doesn't always make him the most interesting character to follow in a story, though. Yeah. True. I mean, he, he ultimately, his 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 personal story is not too remarkable and memorable. I mean, they could have played up a lot more of the stuff. Like, I really wish that they had brought his dad onto the show more. Oh, yeah. Or his, or his mom. Yeah, oh, that too. Oh, oh yeah the fact that they bring up his mom at the very end and at almost no other point in the actual show like it's a plot point that just comes out of nowhere in the final minutes of the final episode and it's like why are we talking about this why does this matter yeah that's uh i i was saying something about this recently with uh in relation to zero one there was some sort of mystery that they immediately just kind of explained and I was uh, saying, like, I think that I've been burnt on so many shows dragging things out that I appreciate when they sometimes just go like, hey, this is what this means. Because, yeah. like, uh, with Takadu's mother, there was a point after he got his final form where you just hear this woman's voice go, Takadu? And he just like, huh, what was that? Oh, well. And then they don't actually address his mother until, like, the second to last episode. Yeah. It's like, wow. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was only the last episode, honestly. Somewhere around there. Well, there there was a lot that happened in those last few episodes. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, ironically, that final arc where it was Takadu, they were trying to face off against Adele, who was like doing his final plan or whatever, and Takadu's like, "Oh, we have to kill Adele," and Alan's like, "No, don't kill my brother. He's my only family left with my sister." And Takadu's like, "But I want, but he killed my dad." That is the only, like, real moral quandary that Takadu has to face in the whole show. And in the middle of all that, here's two characters from the YouTube spinoff. They don't really fit in. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just appreciated seeing Makoto yell Uchukita, so. Before we kind of uh, transition, uh, there are some movies. I don't know if you wanted to talk about any of them. I personally, I mean, outside of maybe... The X8 Ghost movie with Pac-Man, that I feel like that's more of a thing with a highlight with X8. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really have much of a thought with the Ghost and Drive movie, but I did recently f- watch Kamen Rider 
Ichigo or one for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, maybe like a few weeks ago. And for the most part, I, I found the movie enjoyable. Um, Ghost and uh, Spectre are pretty useless in that movie. <laughs> like, I kind of wish they weren't in it because it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole plot with the girl being touched upon his daughter and feeling abandoned by Hongo and stuff like that. Mm. I feel like it could have been done better. Um, I can understand the story, the plot line, but it just, it felt disconnected from everything else that was going on sometimes or the, 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 the scale of it was off. I feel like, Mm. um, but everything else with Hongo was pretty cool. I was about to say, how do you feel about the the design? It's not my favorite design. I don't. I don't. Uh, the whole. I get. I get why it's all bulky and stuff. Mm-hmm. And for what it is, I think it's cool. But I. I don't really like the design too much, honestly. I think it's a bit too be- because uh, because of the Gaim crossover movie where you actually got to see the actor in the suit. I think. Seeing that and then seeing this makes me go, okay, I think I might like this ghost redesigned a little bit better on him. Uh, it definitely feels like, you know, refined and whatnot. And it, it's just, it fits, it fits the actor's body type a it little bit fits. better. It, it, that's the thing that makes it work is that it makes sense. Like if he was like, look the way he does outside of the suit and then he turns into the, like the writer suit that we see in like, let's go common writer or something like that. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't, make too much sense like this makes sense yeah um that being said aesthetically it's it's it feels a bit too much for me Mm. whereas i I like the clean the clean simplistic aesthetic of the original rider suits but i also like the uh i mean i also am a fan of the redesigns for the comrade of the first movie Mm -hmm. so i'm kind of torn because i like those designs they look for it they look I like the updated look of it a bit. There's some parts of it I don't really like, but for the most part, I, I, I like that take of it. This yeah. one, I feel like it's cool. I think I kind of like the bike more than I like the suit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. It's really cool seeing him ride that bike. Um, But other than that, I mean, the the, the movie was, was all right. I, I, I had fun watching it. I think uh, in terms of the ghost movies, the summer movie I appreciated the idea of because it has such an ambitious scale. Because it was yeah. the the idea was just like here's a world with all these historical figures just kind of coexisting, and it's just like a real goofy fun time, for the most part. Yeah, it's the when you're I'm not talking about like the actual plot. I'm just thinking like the setting is just like a real fun sort of diversion. Um, it's another movie where ghost dies, so there's <laughs> yeah. that. That just kind of his thing at that point. The the driving ghost one I really enjoy mainly for the ghost stuff, like uh, seeing his dad actually fighting Ganma with the hatchet. That's kind of cool. All but right. uh, but also I do appreciate how the movie kind of uh, fixes what a lot of those crossover movies got wrong, which is that instead of waiting until the end to have the crossover, it actually just has like uh the police from it's like the police from drive have noticed oh there's been a lot of these weird paranormal sightings and this specific group of people is at every scene let's talk to them about this yeah and that's the crossover 
Yeah, it's it's pretty funny because like you know most Rider movies, you you you're used to at least waiting some period of time before they get together. And I rem- the way I remember that movie is that it happens extremely quickly, like right at the very beginning. They front load you with everyone meeting, and it was yeah. just it was hilarity. I I. Re- I seem to remember when I was going into it, I didn't even know about that. So when I was going to it, I was just like, well, I guess here's another movie, Tyson movie. I guess I'll look forward to seeing how these two meet in the last act. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then it just kind of pleasantly surprised me. I think that's kind of what everyone experienced, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you went back and watched it after hearing about this. Mm-hmm. But like everyone who watched it around that time there's no way they expected them to get together that fast. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, apart from that, I don't really have anything uh, in particular to say about the ghost movies. My my tr- my transition before was going to be, yeah, I can see how Takeru is a character you would probably want to be friends with. Speaking of... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I don't have that much else to say about that movie oh, yeah. in particular, and I didn't watch the others. Uh, but mm-hmm. as as I wanted to comment real quickly on the redesign for Ichigo, because uh, I don't know when I first saw it, it wasn't appealing to me at all because it was so different from the original. And I guess I see what your logic is that you know he doesn't have the same body type as back then, so mm-hmm. it makes more sense for a bulkier suit. But I do wish that it did match the visual aesthetic of the original much more closely, because it just sort of loses that classic feel to it, I think. Yeah. And that's 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 my take on that. I was just thinking, because uh, we were talking about how his uh, the actor has, uh, I don't know if I would say he's put on some weight, but he's definitely got a different body than he did in the 70s. Oh, yeah. But um, I was just thinking... Technically, from a story standpoint, he is a cyborg, so he probably shouldn't be aging. In another world where a Kamen Rider had more big movie budgets, I could totally see them just kind of uh, CGIing. Him? Yeah, yeah, they, like you take it to Hollywood. <laughs> that's that's where they have that technology. Right. Yeah, I we guess. just had the what was the movie that just came out, Gemini, where it's Will Smith versus young Will Smith. Yeah, and and young Will Smith is just completely CGI, and they they, they literally completely CGI. Like, they filmed the whole movie in 120 frames per second specifically to help bridge the uncanny valley there. I wouldn't have known that they didn't just de-age him the same way they did in uh, in Civil War for Marvel. They do. Well, they do. No, no, no. It's a model. It's it's just a complete... No, I get that, but, like, he's acting in the scenes with a bunch of dots on his face, right? Mm. There's there's like shots I've seen like in trailers and stuff where it shows Will Smith acting and he has a bunch of like dots for references on his face and then right. they show the CG model. Okay, so pro- that's probably some sort of facial motion capture then. Not yeah. not quite like with uh, Tron Legacy was it where where it was like they just kind of digitally altered the actor's face or something. I guess I some, something like that. That's that's what I thought they did in Marvel, but, or but anyway, point is, point is they could totally do that for Common Rider mm-hmm. if they wanted to, but they didn't. I don't mind. I don't mind him being older. Yeah, yeah. me me either. It's just sort of a thing with the genre. Yeah, I I think that it works best when he's older because um, like I still have not seen the movie, but I have seen a scene where he's interacting with ghosts and 
because of his age and because apparently the actor provided some writing for this movie, uh, you really get this feeling that he is this veteran fighter. But he also doesn't always look down on them. He kind of just feels like, oh, this is what, you know, heroes are like today kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it felt like he had a bit more of a appreciation for the youth and, you know, young common writers kind of thing and just like kind of wanted to guide them a little bit. He was kind of taken aback when he found out that uh, Takeru had died. Yeah. <laughs> like, he kind of just goes like, man, you've, you've been through a lot at such a young age kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which is, I thought was pretty cool. I, I, I expected him to be a douchebag kind of like in a oh, Heisei versus Heisei. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I appreciate the kind of role that he plays in Kamen Rider these days when he does. Because mm-hmm. it's it's... He's much okay. Well, I'm gonna front load this with he's much older, I think, than uh, Jason David Frank, as far as I'm aware. I don't know oh, the exact ages, but like, totally, he's 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 definitely older. He's definitely much older. Um, but you know, they sort of have a similar kind of role, I think, with their respective franchises. Jason David Frank is the uh... the the sort of the returning Power Ranger when they need a Power Ranger to return, and. Whenever and and you know then he's he's like the one who honors the legacy of the series kind of he's like their go to every everyone knows him everyone remembers him sometimes better than a few of the others from the original show but and and then you have the original common rider and when he comes back he's got this sort of uh le- origin original legacy kind of vibe about him where it's like oh this is the guy who started it all and he takes on that role of being. Uh, the 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 more experienced one being the 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 senpai if you will to the younger common riders. He's a he's a he's a kind of the hardened but gentle grandpa. Yeah, yeah. And and Jason David Frank is the shady uncle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, I was good, just gonna say that that's a bit of a stretch for a comparison. It's just it's two different. Like, I, f- I feel like the level of importance is way different between Hongo slash you know Fujioka and JDF slash Tom. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just gonna say what I think everyone is thinking. Fujioka has gone on to do other things. Yes. That's a good point. Yeah. But I will say, I will say, like, also, you know, JDF, like, I mean, he was there kind of in the beginning, but he wasn't the one that started it, you know? Yeah. Like he came in later. Whereas I feel like, like, for example, Austin J. St. John is coming back to Beast Morphers. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that, if done right, could have a similar feel. Obviously not to that degree, but I feel like that could have a similar feel because he was the first leader. Oh yeah, you're you're right. You're so you're you're so right. I just met him at Comic Con. Like, this is ex- it's it's really exciting. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that whole movie thing. Okay. Uh. So yeah, let's uh let's move on to Common Rider X Aid. Yeah, bringing mm-hmm. it back to Common Rider. <laughs> uh. Yeah. This is the show that deals with. It's basically Bright ER colors. with uh, <laughs> ER with video games. <laughs> It's my life. Kind of it's my it's my it's my life. <laughs> um, if you uh, we we have done a review of the show, 
and Ghost, actually, on the Tokenet podcast if you want to go back and see a more in-depth look of of our takes on the show, like, fresh after we've watched them. Mm-hmm. Um, not my take. That, yeah, that's true. That's true. You two were not on those episodes, obviously. Um, but X-Aid, for me, that design, man, that design. Like, I... <laughs> I was kind of uh, uh, softened up to it, leading up to it because of leaks. Because uh, there were oh, yeah. Yeah. there was there there was some description like he looks like a fighter from a video game, and I thought, okay, I guess I'm going to expect. Uh, oh, and they also described things like he has spiky hair and goggles. Yeah, I remember seeing the first uh, image of the first toy. Mm-hmm. And everyone thought it was fake. I was one of them. And then <laughs> when I heard that it was kind of confirmed, I was like, oh, shoot. This is amazing. They're like, because it's going so off the beaten path. It's bold. I think I think they literally advertise it saying that it's a bold new design. <laughs> yeah. And while I appreciate it for that, it's still not one of my favorite designs just because... Mm-hmm. I never, like, the spiky hair and the video game controller on his chest and all that. And Anime the color eyes. scheme is really cool. And the 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 bicycle shorts <laughs> and Speedo, I mean, the, not Speedo, the spandex, all that stuff, that felt weird mm-hmm. to me. Like, the that, as, that aspect of the design felt weird. But everything else seemed really cool. And the fact that he's a chibi form in his <laughs> first, like level one my my one thing about the level one form is i kind of wish that they did some green screening to actually make it small it looks really weird when it's on screen and it's human sized um it looks like a big old mascot (laughs) yeah i I think that was it kind of seems like the like the point yeah kind of they kind of lean into it um, like the, yeah. when he when he first transforms, he has this reaction of "What is happening?" and he's like jumping around the screen. I, I want to say that the trailer for the show actually had just a shot of that, and it said, "This is a common writer." Yeah, it did. It did. Um, I'll tell you. Okay, okay. So while we're at the beginning of the story of X Eight at this point, mm-hmm. are you guys ready for Brody story time? There oh, we yeah. go. Okay, so. The leaks were coming out, and I was in Japan. Um, I was on this trip with people from my high school, and I get messages in my in a group chat or whatever, and it's the wait. It, it, did your high school go to Japan, or you just went with a few friends? No, so it was it was like a organized school funded trip, basically. Well, not Man, school funded. School schools, did you go to? more like school sponsored. It was I. I mean, my high school started doing like uh, international trips. Uh, it was Man. it was really expensive, but you know, I just I went to Chattanooga for high school. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it, they had also just recently started when this happened. Anyway, point is, I'm in Japan, right? <laughs> and and I'm I'm in some mall n- near a game center or something, and I get messages in this group chat. And it's just it's the images of the I, I I guess it was leaked scans or whatever, but. It looked so weird, and I, I, I had mixed feelings, but it w- I thought it was cool, and they were going for the whole video game theme, and we had already heard that the gamer driver was trademarked at this point, and I was just like, 
Like, I, I majored in video games, uh, not back then, but now I majored in video games. I'm a game designer now. So I got super excited about it, and I was, I was so excited. Eventually, I went to a Toys R Us in Japan because I was looking for Kamen Rider toys, obviously. Um, couldn't find the Ghost Driver there, by the way. But anyway, so I, I go to the store. There's, like, some kid playing with the Zhuo cubes or whatever, building the robot. And, um, I don't know, I start talking to him and his dad a little bit with what, the little Japanese that I know. And I and I show the image, and I'm like, Atarashi Kamen Rider! New Kamen Rider! Uh, and they got it. I don't know, the kid seemed excited. There was a kid that I that pointed out that I had a ghost driver when I left Toei Hero World that I showed him as well. Just, I'm good at relating to kids because of my interests, first of all, but just being able to show that leak and having that sort of knowledge ahead of the TV, that was that was fun. But that was my <laughs> that was my my introduction to X Aid, and I was just I was there for it. And we are talking about me. And when I got introduced to Common Rider, it was from Gaian because I saw the trailer and it was the fruit, and I was just so excited for how silly and ridiculous it was. Mm-hmm. As for me, when I saw the uh, that uh, iconic vinyl figure leak, the the first look at the suit, I just immediately thought. Well, I'm not going to be in the fandom for the following year because I do not want to deal with the drama. <laughs> the, the, the many people saying uh, why this is the end of Common Rider. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a lot of backlash to this design just because it didn't have the bug eyes and the antenna mm-hmm. the way we've seen in the past. He totally has eyes. <laughs> he has like irises, like dead eyes. Those um, kind of look like bug wings. Nope. Um, I have a question for Brody and I guess Mal too because you started with Double? Uh, I I started with Kabuto but it was around the time that Double was uh, starting to I think it was when Deku was starting to end Okay Uh, So I'm just wondering because especially Brody you started because of how crazy the design of Gaim was and then a few years later you see X-Aid and that has a really wacky design. And it just seems like a lot of shows these days have a lot of like, you know, oh, this is designed after a watch. And this one is uh, designed after anime and, you know, whatnot. Uh, when you see, like, say, for example, when you go back and try to watch shows from like early Heisei or if you even attempt to watch Showa stuff, did that, does that stuff feel boring or lackluster to you? Because of how crazy the designs are when you started Watching Kamen Rider? I think that uh, Kabuto was a very good entry point because it was a little bit middle of the road. It was a little bit ridiculous, but it was also kind of cool. I mean, Kabuto is my starting point, so yeah, I Mm. get that. Uh, I I feel like um, it's not, maybe it is just a personal taste thing. I feel like everything before Double is very hit or miss for me, and everything starting from Double, I really enjoy for the most part. Um, Okay. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's necessarily because I'm used to the bright colors. I, I think it's more just... Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm trying to figure out because I'm tr- I just want to know like what people think. Because I, I think with, at the very least, every lead writer, I really like the design aesthetic for just about all the Heisei shows. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you on that one. For, for me, it's, it's a combination of things. Um, Gaim caught my attention because of its utter ridiculousness. 
And then I ended up getting treated to this crazy, dark, awesome, deep show that took inspiration from the Bible, of all things. Um, and uh, to be fair, it's also Madoka Magica. Oh, yes. Yeah, that that too. Gen Urobuchi. Uh, that was just cherry on top right there. I didn't even know him before Common Rider Gaim, so that was my introduction to him. I watched Madoka Magica on recommendation from a friend after I finished Gaim, and I was just like, wow, I can see why they got this guy to write a Common Rider show, because Madoka is basically female writers. <laughs> Man, okay, I'm, I'm excited to watch that. But, mm-hmm. so, so, what attracts me to a Common Rider is, I, I, I mean, different aesthetics have different... I okay. I guess I can sum it up by saying it's partially about thematic consistency. So if we were so for example, one thing I actually didn't get to touch on when we were talking about ghost was token boost. Because when token boost is introduced, it's a fire form. And it's it was passed from his dad on. And it's a fire form because he had been saying up till that point, my life's gonna burn bright. And not only is it gonna so so not only is he burning, but he's got this sunglasses slasher. It's a sunglasses <laughs> sword that because it's gonna burn bright, and also the whole they have the whole eyes motif going on, so you can just put the icons into the sunglasses, and it's it's <laughs> it's beautiful. It's so thematically consistent. Man. Yeah. And so that's something that I really appreciate in a show, and I think, you know, I Gokaiger had similar things about it, and that was my first uh, Japanese tokusatsu show. Um, it had, like, the whole, uh, you know, they're pirates, and they pirated the powers of past rangers because they're, it's 35th anniversary. Um, and I guess I, that's a big part of what attracts me to a show, is when they have that sort of thematic consistency, I really appreciate that. But it's also got to do a lot with the story. And so far, the only Heisei Phase 1 show that I have seen the whole way through is Kiva. And the way I felt about Kiva was early on, it was hard for me to get invested because they were just drip-feeding me uh, hints about what was going on. I didn't know who anyone was or why I had to care about anyone in the very beginning, and it wasn't until like 10 episodes in that I finally had a sense of what was going on. I was, I was mean more like, so a lot of people's first, when you're seeing, when you're getting into a show, the first thing they'll look at is what the show looks like. Okay. With, with like Sentai or Kamen Rider. Yeah. So I wonder if when you look back, because for example, for Brody, like you, Brody, you've only seen Kiba from like the phase one shows. Right. So if you were going to go back and look at, say, like Blade or, you know, Ryuki or Agito, do those designs look uh, less interesting to you because they're not as bombastic as the more recent shows? For me, it's less about how bombastic they are and more about how they communicate their theming. Okay. So, like... You know, I, I look at those, and those suits definitely show their age by comparison. They have more of a, you know, they at that point, they were sort of transitioning from previously, they it had been the Showa-era Kamen Rider shows, and they still have a lot of those classic design elements in them early on, and it wasn't until you get to, um, I guess... I want to say Deno, that you start to see some real experimentation. Um, yeah, I can see that. 
And so... Well, Hibiki is a big... Oh, oh, right. Well, well, Hibiki didn't start as a Kamen Rider show, did it? It it was always going to be a Kamen Rider show. Okay, okay. I thought I I heard somewhere that it was not supposed to be originally. You should watch uh, George's video on Lost Lost in Tokusatsu about... I will will absolutely go watch that. Um, I don't know. I, I... those designs don't scare me off, if that's sort of okay. what you're asking. It's I, well, it was less about scaring off, more just being like, uh, I don't, like not sparking any, you know, interest or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely about the thematic. Uh, okay. The, the themes. Because when I look at when I look at X Eight, you I mean you get you get the big controller. Yeah. And you get the anime eyes. So I'm like, okay, this is a video game. And maybe it's an anime character. Uh-huh. Then you get the bike short, the bicycle shorts, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. And then you watch the show, and he doesn't really pilot a bike. Right, right. Well, or he doesn't ride a bike or anything. So I was like, what the hell? Well, the reason I was able to go all in on X Aid's design is mostly because I totally got the aesthetic they were going for. They were going full '90s because '90s is sort of like, oh totally '90s was sort of like this golden age of classic games. Um, not, yeah, yeah. or not, not, not quite golden age, I guess, but it was, it was a pretty great time for games yeah. and people look back on those with such fondness now, you know, blowing into the cartridges and all that. It was, yeah. you, had, you had your Sega Genesis at the same time as your super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And then you had the N64 yeah. to soon to follow. So like, I don't know. I was, I was right there for that whole nineties theming because, and especially because like Sonic the Hedgehog is a series that I have a rich history with. So that that was always a very '90s attitudey kind of mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then here, here, and here's a writer who whose base form is basically Sonic the Hedgehog, the writer. It's 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 like a combination of Kirby, Mega Man, Sonic, and Mario. But then later yeah. on, he becomes Super Sonic. So you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, I think the belt is what won me over. Not mm-hmm. necessarily that it's like my favorite belt or anything like that. I think it's kind of far from it. But the fact that it was such a loud design, and mm-hmm. then seeing the cartridges, the gushouts for it, and it, that whole thing was just like, okay, this, this is feeding into my nostalgia itch. And, and, and then I seeing, and then seeing Takaiwa blow into the cartridge. That <laughs> I lost my mind watching that. Episode. So did I. I was like, because man, that brought me back to being a kid, and I, you had to do that. Well, you didn't have to do that. It was a, it was BS, but everybody <laughs> knew to do it. It was, it was a nice callback. Yeah, and I wish, I wish he did it more than once. Yeah, it really was just that one time for the fans. It service. was literally the first episode, and that was it. Um, but yeah, we should actually probably talk about what this freaking show is about a little bit. Yeah, we kind of been dancing around it. We've been dancing around it, so it follows uh, Emu Hojo, who is a pediatric pediatrician, uh, <laughs> and he gets recruited into this uh, special. Uh, what was it called? Cyber Rescue. It's no. it's a weird it's a weird name because it's uh presented as it's presented as CR and it's uh Japanese words that you can kind of uh translate into right, Cyber right. Rescue. But here's a weird bit of trivia. Um, whenever they do the Blu-ray releases or DVD releases, they show an episode or a show summary in English. Mm-hmm. They refer to it as the Cyber Brain Room, which does not make any sense. <laughs> you know, like, sometimes, uh, sometimes you just gotta applaud Toei and their localization. 
<laughs> eh, I don't know if that's what I do, but um. Oh, I I I question their aromatization sometimes. <laughs> oh, a lot, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he gets uh, recruited into this uh, special uh, unit or whatever that basically bat- uh, battles uh, viruses by the Bucksters or the Buckster virus. Mm-hmm. And basically, what he does, what they have to do, like him and his, uh, I guess you could say, his coworker Hiro Kagama, mm-hmm. who is the Comrade uh, Brave. And they basically, whenever they get a patient who is infected by the bug, uh, Buckster virus, uh, they treat him. They treat them by finding the source of the virus and what's causing them stress, and sort of being able to separate the virus from them and then defeating mm-hmm. them. They have to do it in stages, and normally they have to go from level one, which is the chibi form, and then they can transform into level two, which is their uh, normal rider form, which is what you see from X8 and Brave and all of them. And that's what they use to defeat the Bucksters. And then there's a the whole thing with the Genma Corp, which is the the organization that created the... Uh... It's uh, Nintendo, basically. It's basically Evil Nintendo, or Nintendo. Evil um, Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, the, the thing about this uh, show... While I was watching it, I was on board more than I wasn't. Mm-hmm. There are definitely aspects that I don't like about it. There's characters that I don't like about it. Like, I don't like Hero. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't like Taiga. Those those make sense. <laughs> it's, it's just, I don't know. Taiga is, you know, he's the typical, you know, emo type character. Like, he just, he's always on his own. You know, he doesn't want to associate with the other writers but he's going for the same goal and he's kind of like i don't know it's he's always doing his own thing so it's fitting that he's the the... fps writer yeah well yeah i guess so yeah it's it's so typical that the way he acts and also the fact that he is specifically referred to as a doctor who lost his medical license. I think it's yeah. kind of clever how they present it because it makes it seem like he's this very edgy character, almost in a comical way. But then yeah. like later on you find out, oh, this is why he lost his medical license. Okay, I understand him better. But at that point, he was irredeemable for me. I couldn't stand him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get that. Um, but uh, there was a lot of story where it was it was very... It knew how to keep you uh, interested in the moment, mm-hmm. um, but then when every when I pull back a little bit and look at the story as a whole, it's kind of a mishmash of different things happening just so you can have cliffhangers every mm-hmm. episode, every every other episode. It felt like the stakes were risen so much every episode. You never had a space to breathe, and you sort of digest what was happening. In the story, it just kind of kept moving, which I feel like it works for some people. For me, it, it felt a bit oh, yeah. artificial towards the end. The real strength of it is that um, it's it's a week to week show. So if you're following it week to week, then the time to breathe is in between episodes, and that's when you digest what's happened. And I think that's why it works, at least for me. Like I haven't, I haven't, I never binged it. That that's not how I watched right. it. Me I neither. I watched it week to week, and for me, that was how I experienced it. That was that was my mm. sort of outlook on that. Even even with the airtimes in mind, it 
you saying that there was no room to breathe just kind of reminded me Steven Universe is a show that kind of understands that because it will have these uh, uh, big moments equivalent to Emu losing his memory. Uh, but then, like, a- afterwards they will resolve that and then just have a silly little episode. Mal, you may be so happy bringing up Steven Universe just now. <laughs> yeah, because that, that was, a, like I said, that was a show that understood it because the people who worked on it literally said we wanted to have these kind of inconsequential character episodes because, you know... You can't just have constant drama one episode after another. Right. I, I, f- I feel like the show that comes after this, Comrade Bill, mm-hmm. I felt like that did it a bit better because there was definitely escalation in that show. There's a lot of escalation. Something happened like every week. Yeah, but it, it still felt like, I don't know, the way that they wrote the show, there was still, how do I explain this? You weren't always at the edge of your seat. But there was always something happening. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't always feel like... I wonder if that has to do with the characters. Like, because, you know, when I think of uh, Build, I think of a protagonist who is basically five steps ahead. Until he isn't, and he doesn't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> that's, that's true, occasionally. But, like, it's just, he always has something uh, ready to go. Maybe. I mean... It could it could be a bit of that. It just felt like there was definitely a stretch within X Eight where, especially towards the middle, where it just felt like every episode had a twist, mm-hmm. and every episode had something crazy happen at the end where it just made you go, "Oh my god, what?" And then the next episode, they would address it, and then something else happened. By the end of it, you you're left with the same thing, like mm-hmm. what, like. It, kept, it felt like you ended every episode for a while with the same exacerbated, like, oh my god, what's going on here kind of thing. Which I can understand that's that's a way to keep people invested, but at the same time, I, I like I want the story to kind of breathe a little bit and see how the characters, you know, deal with stuff. And not just, like, you know, at the seat of their pants, but, like, you know, really assessing the situation and how people relationships build because of what happened a episode or two ago i don't know i don't know if that, i'm making any sense but i just remember feeling every episode is like man i need a break <laughs> and not just like saying that you know the week span between this episode and this episode is your time to recover or you know breathe i mean within this within your bite within episode bites like i feel like if you binge x-aid You'd be exhausted by it, maybe. Probably. I don't know. Which, it's probably not a bad thing. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's it's supposed to be an entertaining show. So having something happen every episode can be a good thing. I mean, as opposed to Ghost, which was the one right before it. Which feels like X-Aid was a response to Ghost. It was like, nothing happened for a while. Okay, let's have everything happen in every episode. Let's have so many things happen in an episode that we can't actually insert the opening. <laughs> yeah. And that made for a show that, you know, week to week, yeah, it was, it was, it could be fun to watch. Uh, and I, I definitely enjoyed the show. Um, but I feel like that looking back at the show after some distance kind of uh, made the show sit differently with me. I don't think it's a bad show. I think it's still a fun show. It just doesn't rank too high because I felt like some things didn't make sense. 
or some things were put there just to escalate things and not in service of the major plot, I guess. Mm. But that's just my take on it. This was a show where, for me personally, I liked every writer and I liked, uh, Mm -hmm. for the most part, I liked every kind of story element that they worked in. Uh, Mm -hmm. Cronus is one where I start to get a little bit shaky. Cronus, yeah, he was he was a big problem for me. Yeah, from the moment he's uh, introduced as the writer, it's like this is an amazing debut, with the exception of him saying, "Emu Hojo wasn't the real first patient zero. It's like, oh, this sounds like fan character territory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then also the, uh, I I can't even imagine what the point of it is other than to have one more episode. It's where you have the best fight in the show with X8 and Paradox versus Cronus, and then Cronus suddenly gains the ability to undo the existence of Muteki Gamer. Oh, mm. yeah, the reset. It, which, it, it seemed like a cool twist at the time, but then uh, it got immediately undone in the next episode, and then uh, I was like... Feature. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that part's kind of cute. But anyway, besides that, it was something that made me go okay, if this comes back later, then maybe I can excuse it. And then when once the finale hit, I was just like, okay, that didn't come back. That was a completely useless episode. The idea of him being able to reset. It's just like, yeah. that came up once and then never again. Well, there was a whole thing where he would he was able to stop time, right? Well, well yeah, but uh, this was like... Thing. This this was like a one time. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just going to change history. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, actually, when now that you know, oh man. So you got a point there. There are probably a fair number of episodes where something will happen, and it's not actually as big a deal as we're supposed to believe it is. But with something like that in particular, I wonder that if the show had another ten episodes or so to it. If, it, if they could have done more with things like that. What, what kind of makes me look at it a little bit strangely is that it's also the same episode where they had a tie-in to the movie. It's like, I wonder if this is related somehow. Hmm. I see. Even though it's not a very good tie-in to the movie. Well, I, uh, I don't know. I, I really appreciated whenever they were able to loop in more game mechanics just because... Oh yeah, I'm. I you know I was all in for the video game theming alone, and yeah, I was I was going to say after I talked about the characters, I was going to bring up the show, the theming. Mwah. Oh yeah, it's it's. Oh, you, listen, I was talking about thematic consistency. This is like top level. It was so good, and it it it, it goes so deep that not only are there just references to popular video games, like when uh when Mighty Brothers Double X. Uh, debuts the next episode Mm -hmm. they have a callback to the original mario brothers arcade machine where they have Mm -hmm. like a line of brick blocks and the one jumps up underneath of it to bounce the enemy and the other one hits it and and it it was just that's those kinds of references are beautiful but the parts that i like the most are the things like in the finale so you know they set it up early in the show where level one is to separate the bugster from the from the patient, and they yeah. have to do that first before they can defeat the bugster. And so in the in the final fight with uh, well, it's not quite the final fight, but it was the, in the second to last fight, the fight with uh, Gamadeus, 
where they are fighting this giant monstrous thing that combined with Cronus. It's 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 a bugster from from the game Common Rider Chronicle. It's the it's supposed to be the ultimate video game boss. But it um but they're fighting it with level two, three, five, whatever, level fifty, level ninety-nine or whatever, and they're not doing anything. And then Emu comes along and he's like, guys, switch to level one. And they do it that way because they have to separate Game of DS from Cronus. And it's just it's it's it, it's the sort of thing where it's like this is a game mechanic, and the the it's it's like the final boss battle that's calling back to the main mechanics of the game, and it's also kind of like in video games where oftentimes you'll see that the second to last boss is harder than the final boss. Like in Legend of Zelda in particular, that's a thing that I've noticed. Um, but just those kinds of like mechanical references to video games. I am so there for it. So when the reset mechanic was introduced, and then they had save states, and uh, Genmu had extra lives, I I don't know. I loved it all. I really enjoy world building myself, which is uh, kind of why I think that Wizard was kind of a mistake. But moving on, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> X8, X8 had some nice little world building. Not as much as I'd like to, but it would do things like... Uh, here's the title screen for this video game that we're dealing with, and we're going to have like a line of dialogue that basically gives you an idea of what it's like. Even if the dialogue is kind of inconsequential, like where uh, uh, Brave's Tattle Quest, the RPG game, it just says, it's a game with plenty of potions and magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, they sort of, I, my, my thought is they introduce that, the games in that fashion, just for people who don't play video games, if there are mm-hmm. any who are watching that show. That's true, actually. And also, I don't know what the story is behind this, but I also know that the magazines that they usually do to uh, reveal things, um, there was one where they actually showed what looked like screenshots from these games, and it was uh, kind of weird how you never saw that stuff in the show. I wonder if that was something made by the magazine. Well, didn't a version of uh, the game that Mighty was from... uh, Oh, yeah. Mighty Action X did... did. It's the only one that has a game. (laughs) Yeah. That was for, like, 3DS or something. Yeah. It was, like, a a bonus download thing when you buy one of the... I can't remember what the game was called. It was something Generations. It was whatever the 3DS title was at the time. It's really a shame they didn't try to partner with Nintendo to get actual Nintendo consoles into the series. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't they have a a handheld? Uh, oh, yeah. The, whatever it was. Uh, it was Wonder, something. Wonder yeah, Wonder Swan, Swan. yeah, that was like yeah. a, a fun fact. I think that was a Bandai Namco uh, system. Which would make sense, considering. Yeah. yeah. Just like, oh, that's why that's in there. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Bandai Namco, the... Oh, the YouTube le- spinoff. The Legend Gamer. Uh, mm-hmm. Legend Gamer Gashats. Um, the dream, the dream is real. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pac-Man, Xevious, uh, Famista. What others were there? There was like two others. I think it was Xevious, uh, Famista, and uh, the one that was in the movie was I know it was Galaxian. Okay. Oh, it was yeah. like it was like it was like the precursor to Galaga, I believe. Yes, yes. Um, Galaxian. That's a good one. Um, 
I really appreciate how they did pull Pac-Man as being, you know, first of all, it's Namco's most well-known character, probably, mm -hmm. if not, if not, like, the most well-known video game character ever. Um, no, I guess Pikachu takes the cake on that one. But, anyway. Wait, what? No, like, Pikachu, oh, Pokemon is the most successful media franchise in the world, so. Oh, yeah. So, naturally, Pikachu is more well-known than Pac-Man. Which is weird. Pikachu is more relevant these days, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe that's just the old man part of me that just <laughs> that statement sounds wrong, but it's probably correct. I don't know. Uh, anyway, it was so. My the point that I was trying to get to. I love that um, they 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 put Pac Man into the movie as Namco's most well known character and one of the most well known video games in the world. I love that they did this for a video game-themed Kamen Rider series, and I love that they did this specifically after a ghost-themed Kamen Rider series, mm -hmm. considering all yeah. of the enemies in Pac-Man are ghosts. Right. And I think that was a plot point in the movie, where it was like, they took Takadu's powers because he's a ghost. Yeah, literally Pac-Man ate him, and he had to and he had to regenerate his powers. <laughs> that was genius. So... A few moments that stand out, or or there's a couple of moments that stand out as far as the show goes. Um, Kyria. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was a big one. So yeah, Kyria, or Kamen Rider Laser, hugely popular character early on. Merry Christmas. And then on Christmas Day in Japan, they kill him off in one of the saddest episodes of the show. My favorite writer trope, the Christmas episodes are sad. <laughs> I watched that, that episode on Christmas Day in the U.S. Oh, wow, yeah. I never really noticed that trope, honestly, until mm. X-Aid. I, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of hard to say that it's a trope, but I do remember, like, uh, well, I, I remember Go, Go Busters apparently had a joke about that. Oh, they had a really sad, they had, or not necessarily a sad one, but they had like an intense episode for Christmas, Go Busters. Well, when I say joke, it's that, uh, this part isn't a joke. The main character's parents died on Christmas, and the joke was that, uh, the villain showed up, uh, wearing Santa Claus outfits oh, at one point. <laughs> right. As if to say, hey, it's your favorite holiday. Ah. So yeah, that that episode. It was such a shock mm -hmm. that I uh, I remember. Was it Toei on Twitter yeah. made a response about it? It was it was a weird situation where whoever was handling their PR made some reference that. Right. Uh, I, I think they spoiled. I think it, it might have been two things. Yeah, they basically spoiled it. And they they referenced uh, Grave Miyazaki. of the Fireflies. Yeah. Yeah. And then they had to apologize about that. But also, uh, Dan Kuroto's actor kind of rubbed it in on Twitter in character, mm. which was pretty amazing. He does <laughs> Anytime he does something in character, it's beautiful. That I noticed that uh, I didn't really notice it because I don't really follow the actor, but I've heard that he actually live tweeted a lot of episodes, and he would say he would uh, comment on things that his character was doing, like "nice jump." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, 
But yeah, uh, speaking of Dan, mm-hmm. um, he became a meme. He basically a became a meme. meme. Yeah, and like just it, his character, like especially after he dies and comes back as a Buckster, mm-hmm. he just becomes a goofy character that contorts in weird ways to make a point and mm-hmm. comes out of Mario pipes whenever he dies to get a continue. It's also uh, worth noting we have an episode or a video on the Tokusatsu Network YouTube channel about the change in his character. Uh, apparently yeah. it was slightly uh, influenced by the actor. Mm. Like uh, like there's the big scene where Emu finds out that he has Buckster in him or something. Yeah. And all the characters are shocked and Dan Kuroto is just laughing maniacally. Apparently the actor ad-libbed that one. No one knew. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that moment he's just like, hey, hold your ammo. You have game disease. Yeah, and uh, apparently the writer of the show was kind of influenced by that and was apparently going to do some slightly different stuff with the character beforehand. Hmm. And I think uh, this might have been the better uh, path because, man, he is a profitable character now. Yeah. They, they definitely took advantage of some a spark that they saw and it's like this is hitting this is hitting really well so let's you know expand on it which his character was pretty fun i felt like his character kind of got pointless and kind of mm. fit that whole you know writer who goes from evil to slightly good and then kind of gets sidelined as far as like the major i i kind of like goes. how he doesn't necessarily become good either <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't it's it's good. more like they managed to imprison him, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, and the funny thing is, even even after they imprison him, he still thinks he's a god. And like mm-hmm. in the ghost movie, you have Onari trying to appeal to him as a god. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. just to manipulate him into helping. It's yeah. like, wow, that that's very big of you, Onari, because you're so <laughs> religious. <laughs> um. But the, I don't know if it's a big thing for others, but the other thing that stands out to me, um, and it's something that kind of made me sour on the ending or towards the end of the show a little bit, is when they finally get all of the gashats in order to fight uh, Cronus. And the I guess the story to that point was that whoever collects all of the special gashats or whatever mm-hmm. will be able to transform into a special form that'll be able to fight Kronos. Yep. Oh no, they turn into Kronos, right? Yeah. Right. It's like, collect all the gashat trophies and you become Kamen Rider Kronos. Right. And someone certainly, someone certainly collected all of them. Up until that point, it was Nico who was getting them all. Mm. Um, yeah. So it was looking like, oh, she's going to become Kronos. Mm-hmm. And fight the final bad. Yeah, now, bad now I'm like thinking back on it. It really is such a bad look because uh, even Cronus, uh, when he like absorbs Game Deus and becomes this mutated writer, he like points his sword towards her menacingly, as if to say, "It's all about you." Yeah, and then at the very last minute, uh, Taiga jumps in and says, "No." I'll be Kronos. I've been training for this my whole life. And basically reveals that uh, 
he had been he basically experimented on himself as far as like being able to slowly withstand the Buckster virus. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. that's so that he can become Cronus and defeat Game Deus. Um so he basically takes he Nico kinda does a lot of the work and then Taiga comes in and takes over after that. And it just felt such like it just felt like such a stab and like such backtracking. Like she could have had such an important role at the end of the show. And they kind of just took that away from her. The unfortunate thing about it too is, at least from my perspective, I think both storylines are completely valid and should have both happened. It's just that unfortunately they collided. I don't think they should have. I don't think the Taiga thing should have happened. That felt such last minute. Well, it, it was also just overall redemption. Like you are a doctor again. Here's your new coat. Here's your here's your new coat. It's just it it felt like it felt such ta- so tacked on. Wasn't it also a thing though where like he didn't want Nico putting herself in that kind of danger? True, but it was also her choice. Like yeah, I mean, I look. I'm not saying that she that we shouldn't have seen Nico do something more uh, involved. I guess you would say it's mm-hmm. it's it's more like I felt like it was justified in the story when I was watching it. Um, I do I do wish that both of the female writers in this show could have done more at times. I mean, Pop, Poppy did stuff at the end. I think that was. Mm-hmm pretty worthwhile but in in general i don't know i when i was watching it i felt like it was justified in the story i mean and that's uh, i mean that's totally i mean maybe i just didn't see it maybe but for me nothing up until that point even hinted at taiga sort of training himself to handle the buckster virus for this purpose like they made it seem like he was doing it ever since he became a common writer. I don't know if it was meant to be taken that literally. It's just like, uh, it's like metaphorically, I've been training myself for a moment like this. I don't know. It it still it still felt like all the stuff that there that he explained at that moment mm. felt like they were just adding that on, like something that happened off screen that you're supposed to believe that he was doing because he is the. The one he's the one writer who's always on his own. It's like, they, but they don't ever hint at it throughout the show. So when it happens, it just kind of feels like it came out of nowhere. I don't know. For me, it 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 felt lazy and tacked on and just done so that I don't know. I don't know what the reason was for it, writing wise. Uh, it just it it kind of ruined that climax for me. I guess. I don't know. How about the fact that Emu gets the power to reprogram the game? Ah. Maximum Mighty X. Yeah. Yep. That that was uh that that was um where I actually learned something about the show, which is that they apparently had a medical expert to help with the writing. And That's really appara- cool. and the power to like reprogram stuff was uh apparently an idea that their medical expert presented for the power up. Ah. It was something that was supposed to be related to how viruses work, I believe. Yeah, you can, like, recode viruses, can't you? That's probably what it was going for. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> but 
I, it, that was pretty cool. And I, I do like, the, I did like, like you said, that fight where he, they had to go back to level one in order to defeat it. They kind of had to remember how they began. Yeah, I guess really this show. Cool. I guess this also shows the kind of fan I am. When that moment happened, I was just like, "Oh, so they can do the writer kick in level one?" Is what <laughs> I was thinking fifty episodes later. Yeah, <laughs> and also the fact that they actually did that um, that shot from the opening oh, uh, yeah. of the song, oh, where it's yeah. like they're all four writers in black or in the in the yeah, night. It's, it's always fun when that happens. Uh, yeah, I feel like. Drive was the one where it was kind of like out of left field because it was uh, the shot that they rec- recreated was the Tridorone driving through these random spiky pillars that were rising up from the ground. Oh, yeah. It was just like that came out of nowhere just to <laughs> reference the opening. But then Ghost did a very cute, unexpected version of that. And then yeah. XA did the very cool version of that. Yeah. Uh, like, so... Any back. follow thoughts on X-Aid or the movies that took place? Um, just speaking for myself, this was about the point where uh, I was doing my own blocking again with mm-hmm. uh, writer news coverage. I felt very thankful that, just like with Gaim, this was a show that I really, really enjoyed. Because yeah. it would be such a pain covering a show that I didn't like. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I know what you mean by that. Um, yeah, for sure. For me, uh, I guess I. I mean, I can also the sort of comparison between this and Gaim. It's it's a goofy gimmick contrasted with a serious dark tone, and mm. uh, it didn't have a constant dark tone. But I mean, neither did Gaim. But the fact that it had that sort of darkness to it at all, and just honestly, like the whole Kiria thing, there was so such fallout from that. They brought him back later, and they actually worked it in a way that was really good. I don't know. Just I love it when you have such a goofy gimmick and you have such an amazing tone with the show, and yeah. just it's it's neat that they do that a lot. Yeah, and I like at the end of the show where they talk about the people that they've lost because of the Buxer virus, and they actually mention Kyria. Oh yeah, I was I felt like that was a really cool moment. We kind of remember, like, oh yeah, he did die. Oh, you know what? There's one other thing that I feel like we probably should touch on. Mm-hmm. Um, there happened to be a very special, uh, a very special uh, offshoot of the show. Actually, you know what? There, there's two that we should talk about. There's there's Go Rider, and then mm-hmm. there's also uh, the one with uh, oh, shoot, I lost his name. He's a, he was from Ryuki. Oh, oh yeah, uh, Ojo. You know what? You yeah. know what? That actually, that this was something I meant to bring up before. Uh, X Aid was a very experimental year because you know you had the show, which was all about X Aid himself. Then you had the Common Rider Brave spinoff on the Tokusatsu fan club, which is what you're referring to. Yes. Then you had the Common Rider Snipe spinoff, which was included with the Blu-ray releases. Then you had the uh, the usual Hyper Battle DVD, which was. Uh, kind of billed as a Kamen Rider laser spinoff, even though it really wasn't quite. And then they did another Hyper Battle DVD that was labeled as a Kamen Rider Paradox spinoff. It's just like all of these different things uh, that I thought was very interesting at the time. Yeah. Even if some of it was just kind of uh, technically 
Like, for example, the Kamen Rider Gen spinoff, which was just a YouTube special. It it really wasn't Gen-focused. And then you have Kamen Sentai Go Rider. Yes, which was a very fantastic display of, wow, they got that actor coming back. And that actor. And that actor. Didn't they have uh, Yo- Yoko from Gaiam in that one? Yep. Oh, man. And Baron. It was, it was great to see them come back. Mm-hmm. Another Agito of all things. I really should watch that. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, it's better when you can watch it all together. Oh yeah, right, right. It's right. it's a worthwhile watch, and just seeing the color variants on the original Common Rider suit, that was really yeah. cool to see. And just just a Sentai of Common Riders, genius. I mean, this is something that probably I don't know if you know more about this, Mal, but I remember I remember George talking about how it was kind of a. A spin-off of an original design or original Ooh. concept by Ishinomori oh. to do a writer team or something like that. Oh wow. That kind of became sent I could be totally wrong because I I I'm really bad with details. But there was something about they needed something team related, and I th- think either the producer or Ishinomori or something, or some, I don't know, I think Ishinomori wanted to do something like that, but then it became uh, Go Ranger. That would make sense, because, um, like, I believe that's the one show that's actually credited to him, I want to say. I Mm. want to say that uh, he is at least credited with a couple of the first Sentai, but uh, beyond that point, it just kind of became its own thing. I know, I know George and a bunch of other people are probably screaming at right now, right now for not getting the details right or mixing everything up i apologize but i just remember there being a connection between go rider and a early concept for i'll also say that uh on the subject of whether or not you should see go rider if you're a fan of blade so is the writer of this movie or of this spinoff because <laughs> they do some cool stuff with him yeah speaking of mixing things up uh the winning formula much Wow. That was a stretch. But I appreciate the effort. <laughs> I, I, I try. I try. <laughs> Alright, so let's, uh, let's let's jump into Kamen Rider Build. Yes. Which, uh, I, I know that, uh, at least in the parts of the fandom I saw, there was this bit of uh, hesitation with this show because, oh wow, that really just looks like double all over again. Oh, oh man, I... I... I welcomed it. I was so oh, in yeah. for this design immediately. It's also interesting because, uh, like, there was a, some book that they released dur- during Double, which was, like, a behind-the-scenes thing. It was talking about, like, uh, concepts that they tried. I don't think there was any art associated with it. But mm-hmm. one of the things they said with Double was, we wanted to try this half-and-half thing that was animals and vehicles, but we couldn't really get it to look right. Here's Build. <laughs> <laughs> they figured it out. <laughs> They figured it out. Not this isn't like a knock against X Aid, but after such a crazy, like over the top design of X Aid's writers, mm-hmm. seeing something as slick and as simple as Build was just like, oh yeah, I don't know. It is. It, it was. It was refreshing for me personally. After seeing video game Common Rider come to life, having Pepsi Man Common Rider come to life was welcomed. <laughs> wow, I didn't even put that together till now. I the, the memes were all over the the group that I 
admin for. Again, I'm an old man. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy the... Uh, there's two things I really enjoyed going into it. One was mm-hmm. the setting. It was kind of very different. And for a while, I was kind of convinced, is build supposed to take place in the future? Because right. it, it not only had this... Uh, crazy setting involving Mars walls that uh, kind of split Japan, but also mm. there are robots just kind of run, roaming around. But yeah, that's what I, I love about the show is that there's, it's, it's, it's a complete kind of different world build, world mm-hmm. building. Well, pun in, <laughs> yep. well, I guess pun intended. Um, it's something like, it kind of reminds me of Gaim where it, it has this, it has a society that's, that's run in a different way. Mm-hmm. Or there's something that happens that sort of shapes the world in a different way. Yeah. Uh, whereas other shows are kind of like this crazy thing happening surrounding the, the common writer is happening in the normal world. I was about to say, while the other shows are just Japan. Yeah, it's Japan, but something crazy happens in Japan. I mean, this mm-hmm. is the same thing. It's still Japan. But... It's Japan after some sort of tragedy struck. Tragedy struck that divides the country into three different territories. And you have three different governments, um, and yeah, you follow you follow uh, Kiryu Sento, who Sento, who is a physicist who has amnesia, but he is also a common, he is also a common writer, um, and he believes he he wants to fight for justice and happiness, all that kind of stuff. Um, but he's also kind of once he runs into uh, Ryuga. Uh, Banjo Ryuga. He's he starts to get into the story of finding out who he is, who he really is, mm-hmm. and that unravels into stuff about Pandora's box and what does that have to do with anything? You know, it's just it was it was I don't know I don't know how to explain it because it's such a such a deep story that I'm and I'm really bad at mm-hmm. explaining stories, but. There, there were mysteries in it that were not as simple as you would think. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. Let, let, let me see how quickly I can sum up the show. Common uh, Rider Build. It's about a physicist who actually engineers more than he phys- physics physics is. Kiryu Sento. That's not a word. Lost his memory. Uh, meets Banjo Ryuga, who helps him set off down this journey of discover of yeah figuring out who he is, and also figuring out the secrets of the Pandora's box and why the country was divided in three. And it's all just a rabbit hole that you dive down, and it's oh, it's fun. Yeah, it's a yeah a rabbit hole. I, I, I said the thing. <laughs> oh, and the, the other thing I was going to bring up that I really liked about this show going into it, um, when they were advertising the show, there were um. I guess two things here. One is they described Build as the smartest Heisei writer, and I think that actually kind of sticks. Oh, yeah. It's consistent. He he is consistently showing how smart he is. He's thinking ahead. But also they described the show as saying that this is really going to kind of drive home the classic original writer trope of the hero is made by the villains. And yeah, that actually is very true. Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's something I wanted to mention. Is that like you know you have uh, the original Common Rider who was made into a into an, a cyborg by Shocker, and then you have uh, Kiryu Sento who we dis- who you discover was made into what he is by uh, 
by the villains organization he it's it's a really kind of a similar process they like do experiments on him and stuff and that's how mm-hmm. he becomes common rider bill yeah nebula gas and all yeah i guess that is it's a lot closer to show than i thought because yeah they're just doing these crazy experiments turning people into monsters yeah i i don't know i when i finally when i first realized that it was like i don't you know it actually it was kind of recent it was like a few months ago maybe and i it just kind of blew my own mind when i when i realized that um yeah, like I was saying with uh, Comrade X Aid, I like the way that the story progresses in Comrade Build uh, a bit more, whereas it lets you live in this world for a bit, and then it escalates things, and then you see the consequences and how people react to it, and then, but then things also start escalating even more, and they start to unravel things. It, it was like a rabbit hole. It felt like everything had a purpose, and everything was planned out a bit better in this show. Um, and when you look back on it, it feels like one complete story. Uh, I mean, it's not a perfect story by all means, but it feels like something that was thoroughly flushed out. Um, which is something that really, that kept me engrossed in the story throughout the whole year. They built their world very well and had a lot decided on from the beginning. And it really shows. Mm. Yeah. Like things happening as far like his ident his stuff about his identity, that all felt like when you look back, it's like oh okay, you can see them kind of hinting a bit at that as they go along. Um, and then when you have heavy episodes, they're really heavy. Um, like what was it episode twenty two, where he he uh kills one of the three uh Hokuto Hokuto oh. guys. Oh, when he goes into when he goes into hazard and loses control, and then he kills the dude, and then the next episode is just him grieving. Yeah, like well, the remainder of that episode and really. having like a mental breakdown, and it's just it's amazing. Yeah, it really took um, uh, again George lost in Tokusatsu on YouTube to uh, really put into words why that episode was so good. Like things like it didn't have a uh, didn't have much background music, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely watch. Yeah, George does a lot of good videos, but that that builds one is probably one of my favorite videos that he's done. Yeah, that particular uh, episode sort of leads into my leads into a discussion that I wanted to have about my personal favorite character in the entire show, mm-hmm. and that is Common Rider Grease himself. So, I mean, I got no. The first thing I'm going to say, just since I brought up his name as Common Rider Grease, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't see Build as being a particularly thematically consistent show. Um, I mean, just they, they give story reason for why the best matches are what they are, and I really <laughs> appreciate that. But at the same time, the whole uh, mixing two chemicals thing together is a bit of a stretch with it and just i don't know it doesn't have the same kind of thematic consistency that i loved seeing in x-aid and that i loved seeing in certain other shows um and that sort of disappointed me a little bit but the story and the characters completely made up for that and the designs in general but that aside 
Common Rider Grease. Um, Kazumi was my favorite character in the whole show. And it's it all started when uh, Sento killed one of his closest friends. So his whole character up to that point was that he's looking out for him, he's looking out for his people, he's looking out for Hokuto, and that's that's all he really cares about. He's he's looking out for the people who he's close to and trying to do what he can for him for himself and for his friends. And then our main character kills one of those people. And and at first that seems really bad for their for for, for this sort of rivalry, I guess you would say. Um this the they were enemies at the time. Mm-hmm. But you know, he sees how Sento is just so he's he's beside himself that he did that sort of thing and he forgives him and that was just an amazing thing for him to be able to do to be able to say okay yeah i i you killed my friend and he's one of the most important things to me but i still forgive you for this and then he right. and then he forgave gentoku uh when he when he killed someone and then there was i forget how the third i always forget how the third one died um by the hill bros oh yes right Basically, he lost everyone, and then, and and he just slowly becomes part of the team, and it was really neat to see, and it was really fascinating how he forgave even like even just with Gentoku. I personally did not think that Gentoku had to kill that guy when he did, but he did, and I didn't think that Kazumi should have forgiven him, but I think that speaks to his character. And a little bit later, you see that, you know, they're, they're threatening Hokuto. They're, they're saying, hey, we have your people. Give us the Pandora's box, and then we'll free them. And I thought he was going to give in, because at that point in the story, he could have gone either way. But he right. didn't give the Pandora's box, and then Gentoku freed the people uh, from Hokuto for him. And so he was rewarded in the story for his character growth and that was just the most beautiful thing to me i hit this entire character arc just him as a character in general it's my favorite thing in the whole show there there are two things that came to mind from uh what you were saying one of them is uh a little bit far back so i'll get to that in a second but one thing that i think is kind of interesting with the show is that it has this sort of out for redeeming characters where it's just like uh, Gentoku is the biggest example where they're like, oh, it seems like the, he hasn't been exposed to nebula gas for a while, so he's starting to become more of a real person. Uh, right. Um, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, I, I, I don't think that's, uh, necessarily a bad thing. It's just, like, I think that's interesting after a show like Exade, where you had Kuroto going through a redemption arc of all characters. <laughs> well, I feel like his stuff also, his redemption also is tied around his father and the death of his father like Mm. i feel like after that him wanting to free who him wanting to save his country so that they can yeah it could become better became a driving force and yeah the whole uh there was like his effects of the gas wearing off sort of made him become who i guess he originally was maybe or bring out his goofier side to himself. It's like once he once he uh, starts becoming a part of the gang after that, and he starts dressing weirdly. I was just like, 
I gotta see what his life was like before the Nebula Club. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but I also like that he he wants to save his country so he can be better. But he doesn't necessarily feel like he needs to be the leader anymore. Right. Like he doesn't see himself as being leader leader quality anymore. But he still wants to uh, honor his father by freeing his country. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was really cool. The 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 other thing that I wanted to bring up um on the subject of Greece and the theming, um one thing that uh I also learned about this show, just like how X Aid had its medical expert, apparently they had a physicist expert for this show. Um and I guess the closest thing to actually seeing that in action is with the gadgets and how they kind of evolve over time. Because mm. a lot of them kind of come down to there are ingredients in this gadget and they're being used in different ways. Like, uh, there's this one scene, like, just before the uh, Grease shows up where you see all this equations on chalkboards and uh, a bunch of people, not just equations, also, like, text. Uh, there were some people who managed to transcribe it and it was talking about how uh, if you take the ingredients in a full bottle and turn it into a jelly form, this might happen. And that's ah. how the, that's how Grease and uh, Krazi charge uh, came into existence. Right. And then, and I don't, I don't know if they necessarily explain it with other things, but you can kind of get an impression like, Oh, rogues crack full bottle must be what happens when you break up ingredients or cross magma is what happens when you burn the ingredients, etc. Yeah. I, I, I see the logic when you put it like that. At, I, I don't know. It, at the same time, it still kind of feels like chemistry or engineering to me rather than physics. Yeah, I think I've, I said this before. Um, uh, the type of... Now you brought it up. They refer to Build as a physicist, but it seems like a lot of the science that happens in here is like a base-level science for kids. Yeah. Well, it's at the end of the day, it is... Yeah. a show aimed at that so they're just as long they're, they're i think they're more just trying to spark that interest yeah it's just i don't i don't i also don't necessarily think of that as a bad thing it's just oh that's yeah. why that's like that <laughs> yeah um what i do like is that uh uh Sento basically figures out ways to when he comes across a problem, he figures out on his own how to defeat it with a new bottle that he engineers or a new form that he engineers and he tests out. Yeah. Um, it's something that we're, that's happening now with Zero One, but it's not the main writer who's doing it. It's the assistant, the assistant uh, AI. Yeah. Yeah. And she's the one who, but it's also like one of those things where she goes into the system and just like, what can we, what kind of uh, progress key can we use to battle someone who flies? And then it kind of just says, okay, calculating, da, 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 and then it kind of just creates it. Whereas Sento kind of, he has to go into his lab and he has to like, literally he builds his like arsenal. But I think it's really cool. This, bring, this brings up an interesting point and an interesting comparison with X-Aid. Because in X-Aid, most of the power-ups ended up coming from um, either just Emu's will to do something, or Kuroto mm -hmm. specifically designing a game to fit the situation that they were in. And yeah. at, a, at a certain point in, in X-Aid, it feels a little off, 
for me, mm -hmm. uh, just because it feels like they're just sort of responding to whatever is thrown at them by programming in a few lines of code. Um, whereas in build, it somehow feels a little more earned, and I'm not sure exactly why that is. I don't know. Ex I, I, I can't quite pinpoint the difference. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's also it's it's a, a thing about. I mean, science is trial and error, right? Right. And he definitely fails. I mean, see what happens with the hazard uh, bottle or whatever. Right. Like right. that fails. Uh, so he has to find he has to find a way to uh, use that, but also subdue the effects that it has on him. Like he has to figure stuff out, and stuff goes wrong, and then he figures that out as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it it definitely feels more like it feels more in line with his character, who always is always thinking of inventing something, and is always thinking of experiments. I mean, he says that in every battle, let's start this experiment kind of thing. Okay. Um, so I feel like that that helps kind of make it feel more earned, especially if you fail. It, it's it's also kind of interesting just looking at these shows in retrospect in order like this. Uh, a common thing that comes up in recent years is characters who kind of have this destiny that's either like presented to them. It, it's it's just the idea of you are the only one who can do this. And it seems like Bill is kind of making himself the one who has to do this. So no one has to. Yeah. Like I, I, I actually remember uh, thinking back on it when maximum mighty X, I think debuted in X eight. I was comparing Emu to Takadu in that sense, because it seemed like to me comparatively, uh, Emu was a better protagonist in that, he was kind of being presented this destiny of you're the only one who can do this. And he is actually responding to it realistically. Like, I don't know about this. And then with Takeru, it's almost like everyone is just telling him you're the only one who can do this. And he's just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's not a fair comparison, I don't think. But still, it's the idea that... Um, destiny like that is just kind of played with so casually and then with build mm -hmm. it feels like a little bit more realistic yeah and again it's it's, it's it's you're seeing all these characters grow as the story goes on so they're they're learning to tackle these uh challenges together more and more first it's just build then it's building uh banjo then you add uh, Kazumin, then you add Gentoku. It's like it it evolves, and they learn to work together. And then also, literally, the bad guy evolves. <laughs> and then you say goodbye to your friends one by one at the very end. Yeah, and it feels it feels you you feel connected to these characters by the end of it. I also appreciate how, um, in regards to their motivations. It, they even pointed out where they're when they finally all work together. One of them just goes, "You know, it's kind of funny. We were all fighting for the same thing after all, mm. and we're yeah. finally just now on the same page and understanding that." Yeah, that's really cool. Um, by the way, Evolt, Evil, yeah, holy crap, Evolt! I, I love the villain. He's amazing. He was so much fun to watch and. 
see him scheme. Even though he even though he wasn't technically the dad, it's like the epitome yeah. of evil dad. Yeah. I think I think the most fun part about Evolt is the fact that he really is there from the beginning and you don't know it. Yeah. Yeah. And and he just he just manipulates the he pulls all the strings. Like he just he just knows exactly where to hit. He manipulates everyone to a degree that they don't even realize until way later. They plant this very specific seed in like the first episode, I think, where you're seeing him, you know, as uh, the dad. I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head, but uh, Is, uh, Isurugi. That sounds about right. Uh, I was about to say coffee dad. <laughs> um. Like in, I think it was episode one where you just see him at the end of the episode just kind of sitting outside casually, and then he suddenly morphs this magazine into a brush and then just brushes back, and it's like, what's going on oh, with right. this guy? Yeah. It's like, what the... That's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, what but was then the, it, It's like if in the very first episode, I think, at the very end, they just kind of immediately reveal to you... By the way, Isurugi has these powers that are unexplainable. Uh, I need to go back and watch the first episode. Yeah, and, and I remember seeing that back in the, back when it was airing. I was like, okay, so Misora has this is this power where he she turns some type of energy into a full bottle, and they didn't explain why. So I was like, okay, so when you see that, it's like, oh, I guess he some she somehow got it from her father. But we didn't know why or how or where it came from. So at the time, you just kind of put it away as like, oh, okay, they're just, there's something up there with, with them. They're going to let us know. Yeah, I was about to say, like, my initial reveal was, excuse me, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? And then my second yeah. thought was, they'll explain that. I'm yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of want to go back and rewatch Bill just to see if I notice other things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say one thing, uh, going back to Greece for a bit, uh, Kazumin. Yeah. Like you said, I loved his arc and I loved every time that he had to deal with his hometown, his home people, his motivations. I loved it. I thought that was great. The one thing I didn't like about Greece was his obsession with Misora. Ah, I thought so. <laughs> that was the one part that felt so I mean it it's played for laughs most for the most part until the end. And I guess if it was on a different character, it would make it would make sense. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say. Now that you've brought up how like that's the one thing, I just thought, you know, that's the only thing that reminds me of Otoya from Kiva. Yeah, and I really wish that was not the case. I really wish this wasn't a part of his character. I would have still liked it if maybe. I mean, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I mean, if they had done something else to have this kind of dynamic between him and Misora. I feel like that would have made uh, one of their their last scene together really hit a lot harder for me. Um, the fact that most of it was played for jokes until the end yeah. sucked. And the, just the fact that he was obsessed with her to that degree because she was an online idol. The body pillow. That, that, that always bothered the crap out of me. The body <laughs> pillow. Yeah, it was just... It, all of it it just felt way too pervy way too creepy it it was it was kind of weird and creepy at the same time i wondered at one point why premium bandai had not released a misora body pillow because that would make bank that's just too far dude it it, it is oh i absolutely agree 
It's just yeah. I don't know some of the items I see out of Premium Bandai. It leaves me it leaves me wondering. I guess, but I don't know. That's the one plot point or side plot in that show that just like, why did you have to do this? Like that's the one thing that that brings Greece down for me. Is that every time he sees Misora, I mean, there's, I mean, he is played for laughs and some, and it's funny a lot of times, but it just overall it just felt weird and I didn't like it. It always took me out of his character a little bit. Um, if he had had a more genuine, well, I don't know if genuine is the right word, but a different type of affection for her, I felt like that would have worked. I. I feel like uh, the only benefit it has is that it immediately lets you know, okay, this character's not going to be serious all the way through. It's true, but, but they could but, have done that a different but, way. But I was also going to say that they also didn't necessarily need to make that the joke every single time Miss yeah. Sora is on screen. Mm-hmm. Like, once he meets her, they could have had him be like, oh, you're actually just a regular person. That's cool. And then that that would just be the start of a more genuine kind of relationship. Well, I got to say, I mean, me watching it, um, I personally... Okay, so I can't pull out any examples specifically right now. But the way I remember their character interactions is that over time, I did see some of that more genuine stuff coming through. They did still have those moments that they played for laughs, and that didn't really go away entirely. But they did have him sort of, uh, like, I don't know, being sort of defensive of her, just sort of having this sort of, just being drawn to her in a way besides pure obsession. Like, sure, he was, she was basically his waifu before, so to speak, before they met. But then he gets to know her, and he's a common writer, and he protects her, and this and that. And I don't know. I just remember perceiving some of that as it went on. It wasn't, like, a central subplot, I don't think, but it had some attention. I I, I can... I, I, that's def- I can see that being the case, but maybe I just don't remember. I just feel like... Like, there was a perfect word for it, waifu. That waifu mm-hmm. element... I, that's the one thing I wish they didn't put. Like, that's the part, the whole obsession and the waifu aspect of it, of their relationship. If they had just made that into... I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with there being a comedic element between their interactions or relationship. It's just the waifu part. That's the part that bugs me every time when I see it. It just kind of takes me out of it. The way I see it is that's just how it started for Kazumi. I, I just feel like as a plot point, it didn't have to be waifu. It could have been something else completely. Yeah, and then have them still have a bit of an animosity or just like, you know, an avert, like have her be, I don't know, not as interested to, in him at first or something like that. Yeah. That could still be the case and still kind of have that dynamic. Um, and also as far as like comedy goes, I loved his relationships, with his interactions with, uh, Banjo and Gentoku a lot yeah. more. Like the way that they yelled at each other was great. <laughs> I honestly the the build guys are just a bunch of idiots uh, with surround yeah. surrounding a genius. <laughs> yeah. And I love it. It's it's great. That's one of my favorite little um comedy and emotional moments when they all get together and there's a funny little bit with uh Gentoku with his uh t-shirt 
And they're all just kind of like mumbling to each other about how they can't stand each other. He just, Sento just goes, I'm surrounded by idiots. Then he just smiles. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. I love these idiots. Yeah. It's great. And, and also the, the shirt gag with Gensuku is my favorite gag throughout Mm -hmm. the whole show. That's where all the merch went, not the body pillow. I prefer it. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. But, um, uh, you know, since we talked about all these writers, uh, Utsumi. Mm, like, you you want to talk about, uh, you know, he didn't really get to do much for most of the show, I think, because he was, uh, quote unquote, dead. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what I think it, he kind of brings to the table that I think is very interesting, even if it doesn't really show through that well until the very end, is that. They made a character who's kind of a hero, but when you really look at the way he was raised, he's basically from a cult. And it's like, huh, that's kind of an interesting take on that character. Yeah, and it was also not just him. It was also Sawa from... Yeah, like, yeah. Was the, yeah, I, I kind of wish they had expanded a bit more on that. Yeah. That would have been really the, cool. The, the gear guys, at least. But I, I feel like there were some mm. real implications with that cult. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there are some very real world implications, especially because uh, I think, I think it was Hokuto, the kanji for Hokuto, according to Google Translate, immediately comes out as North Korea. Oh, Just, uh, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't. Well, I, I mean, I don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to read. Uh, Japanese or it's just like, like that. So. It's just like when when you look at the way that that uh, Hokuto is portrayed, it's like I can kind of see it. I I would have on the one hand, I wouldn't put too much weight mm-hmm. on Google Translate. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Well, it's even just, even so, like if you just looking at build at even a more surface level, it's got things to say about politics and war oh, yeah. and whatnot, and it's 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 stuff that. You know, I actually brought that up in my recent article, What Common Writer Teaches Us on the on Tokunet, um, where I was talking about a lot about um, the, the deeper messages that Common Rider has to tell. And Build is definitely one of them. It's got mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 all about how if you if you don't have if you don't pay attention to those values of peace and love you you can lose yourself you can you can you have something as miraculous as some kind of scientific achievement be manipulated and twisted and turned into something evil into something something used for violence right um and that's that's a big central theme in build i think and i don't think it's necessarily new that uh common writer would touch upon these kind of serious topics but it does feel rare and to me at least I, I always think back to Gaim, where it, you had uh, Professor Ryoma talking about how, oh, you know, our, our, us humans are always getting into wars with each other. We're a real stupid race in that sense. And it's like, wow, they're actually kind of saying this kind of stuff on a kid's show. That's interesting. And then yeah. Build here is just like, that's the theme of the show. Yeah. It's it's a big deal. It's It's impressive. This is a lot to unpack for a five-year-old. <laughs> just look a five-year-old straight in the eyes we we, we do war a lot and it's not good <laughs> um before we move on uh do you guys have anything to say about the way the show ended 
Oh yes, I I have a lot to say about how the show ended. Not okay, not not that much, I, but I've got something to say. Good because we gotta move on. <laughs> it's a reset ending that I'm pretty okay with. Mm-hmm. It's a it's just like with the final form where. I would say, man, Sento went through a lot. This is well-earned. I think this ending is also like, man, Sento went through a lot. Everyone went through a lot. This is well-earned. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's the kind of thing where everything hit the fan in such a way that it's to finally be able to go to a world where it's all peaceful and whatnot. That's nice. That's fitting. And also, it's a way to shoehorn in the continuity with the rest of the Common Rider universe. <laughs> um, yeah. But my my whole thing about the ending, the my biggest takeaway is with uh, Sento and Banjo. You know, from the very beginning, we're told that these two are a best match. That these are the that that Sento and Banjo are the best match. Um, and you see that supported throughout the whole show it's always sento and banjo even even when when kazumi has some focus even when gentoku has some focus even when the focus is split between the whole cast it always comes back to the relationship between sento and banjo and how it's the it's always been these two who are going to uh i guess save the world uh be to be be together as a as a pair of friends who have each other's backs Something like that. I, I, it's, it's hard to find exactly the right words. Well, I think I, I remember there being a, a quote from before the show started where they said this, this story was essentially going to be a story about two guys and their friendship kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I always, I always enjoyed the way it was worded. It's like, it's about the heated story between these two men. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah something like that. Either way, when they go to the to the new world and you think that Sento is on his own and then he sees Banjo and Banjo remembers him, that was just such a powerful moment for me. And it's, and even in the end, they had that last moment where um, Sento points out that his fly is down, which is a callback to the first episode. And yeah. it, it, was, it, it was such a non sequitur back then. But to, to call back to it now, it, it, it's I loved the ending. I thought it was perfect. I, I like the implication. It took me a while to actually realize this, but I like the implication that the difference between this world and uh, the actual start of the show, uh, apart from the obvious things, is that Namba isn't making military weapons anymore. So that's why there's no robots around here yeah. anymore. Mm. Like, you actually see Namba very quickly when you see Utsumi. Uh, instead of being, like, this military weapons creators, they're actually just, like, a regular steel mill or something? I don't remember. That, you, yeah. just see, you just see him, like, making a pipe. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's good to... It's really good to have that sort of explanation for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also... It's, it's very subtle, too. Like, it actually... I remember when I was uh, reviewing that episode shortly after it aired, I was just like, I kind of would have liked if they explained why this world is different. It seems kind of random. And then later on, when I was doing, like, a further look at the show, I was like, oh, that's actually kind of clever. And they actually do kind of show you that Numba is different. Yeah. Um, w- one thing that we should make sure that we at least touch on just for, like, a, a couple minutes before we move on um mm-hmm. hasty generations 
Yes. AC Generations Final. Big, 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 big time crossover. Gaim, Forze. Yeah, they... Oh my gosh, it made me so happy. They got Forza back, they got Gaim. They got AG back and Ankh. Yes. Foundation X. Foundation X came back. Which? For the last time. (laughs) They've been gone for like five plus years. (laughs) Man, I always think back to the the Brave spinoff for X-Aid where like... The big reveal at the end is, oh, Foundation X was responsible for all these writers suddenly appearing. And hey, they've started making writer gashets. I look forward to when they follow up on that. Mm. Yeah, mm. It, honestly, that's... If there's... if Okay. This has been a whole retrospective on the Heisei era. And I think that we really have to talk just for a moment about the fact that Foundation X was introduced and brought back numerous times but never with any kind of actual connection or any kind of like co- continuity it's 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 like someone had the idea some people liked it mo- and a lot of people did not and it just it it, it it was the kind of thing that it needed to everyone needed to be on the same page for and it didn't work out well i i uh we talked i believe we talked about it in the previous episode mm-hmm. probably um i think i think george brought it up where I believe it was the producer for either O's or Forze didn't like the idea of connecting universes or connecting worlds. They kind of just let go of the whole Foundation X thing. Yeah, because uh, Forze, they did have a little bit of a tie-in because uh, they were after cosmic energy. But apart from that, it's like, oh, what did they do for the, the summer movie? Uh, let's just bring a couple of show guys. Or was it Wizard? I don't remember. No, the, uh, they both did that. I, I would have been totally fine if they had just dropped it after a show or two and never returned to it. The My big pet peeve about it is that they kept returning to it. Uh, and no conclusion. Yes. Well, before before this move, this uh, generation's final, when was the last time we saw Foundation X? Uh, the X-Aid, Brave spinoff. But before that, I want to say it was... Uh... Uh, probably uh, uh, the Forze thing. Ultimato? Uh, the one before that. Mega Max. Mac- Mega Max, yeah, okay. Because it was uh, where you had the one guy who basically made a transformation belt using Astro Switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Metal. Had it really been that long? I feel like it yeah. was. Because uh, wow. there was a, a point where they were like, we're bringing back Shocker this time. Space Shocker. Oh, right. I remember that. That was fun. I do appreciate how Q-Ranger basically, with the crossover with X-Aid, basically just establishes, yeah, Space Shocker is a thing. They're still kicking. Uh, So what did you guys think of uh, the Sarah movie, Be the One? Um, man, I... Oh, yeah, I did see it. Okay. It's just... Because uh, I, I keep forgetting whether or not I've actually seen it because I ha- at one point did just see scenes of it. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was a pretty good movie. I remember enjoying it. Because like, it, pl- it plays with this uh, with this kind of theme that was in the show for a while where uh, it's just like you're besmirching the name of Kamen Rider. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a fine movie. I, I, I enjoyed it uh, when I watched it. Uh, I thought it was one of the better summer movies that I've seen in a long time. 
it felt very connected to the show's themes. Yeah. Um, yeah, should we move on to uh, Geo? If you want to. <laughs> I guess you would say it's rider time. Uh, uh, I reluctantly want to move so on. So look forward to part four of the Heisei retrospective. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> we're doing it now. We, we're doing it. We gotta do this. Ripping uh, off that band-aid. Yeah. Uh, so, Comrade Geo. It is the... Next 20, decade. It's the, it is... <laughs> yeah. Literally. Um, it, it is... Midway through, we, we well, we find out that it will be the last uh, Heisei writer. Well, we find out before, right? Yeah, we found out way before. Yeah, yeah. They were announced it during build, right? I believe so. That's why we had the Heisei final, Generations final. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was Heisei Generations, Heisei Generations final, and then Heisei Generations forever. Right. Not confusing. <laughs> not confusing at all. Um, the final Heisei Generations was not indeed the final Heisei Generations. Which, by the way, that small aside, that was uh, one of those things where, it, depending on what part of the, what side of the fandom you were on, you had no idea what that meant, or you knew exactly what that meant when they called it Heisei Generations Final. Yeah. Because there were, there were some people who were like, is this going to be the last movie? Is Kamen Rider ending after Build? Right. <laughs> <If> Kamen Rider <laughs> is over. Go home. But yeah, Kamen Rider Geo, it is... It was intended to be basically a celebration of the Heisei Rider series. Um, you followed uh, Sogo Tokiwa, Tokiwa, yep. who is a high school kid who has the aspirations of being a king. No idea where that comes from when you first watched that show. You just he just has this weird dream, and everybody everybody criticizes him for it. Uh, then he comes across a rider a ride watch. And you see people coming from the future trying to prevent him from becoming a common writer because in their future he becomes an evil common writer named Omajio, who basically rules with an iron fist, destroys everything, and uh, destroys their world. And they are, while in a fight, for their future, in the future, they come to the past because they want to... It's basically Terminator. <laughs> I was about to say, I was really disappointed in the show because it didn't have Arnold Schwarzenegger. And that's only one of the few... That's one of the smaller disappointments of the show. I was about to say, that's the only thing that's wrong with this show. <laughs> you are a lie. Um, in another timeline. <laughs> so, uh, he basically uh, has to... Get all the right. Well, I don't know. Okay, I'll be. I'm gonna be. <laughs> I'm gonna be. Uh, up you front. didn't watch all of it. <laughs> That's not far from the truth, honestly. Uh, I watched up to episode six, okay, and got so pissed off that I dropped the show. First comrade show I ever dropped. <laughs> by the way, okay. Well, okay, but you, you well you, for a while. For a while, you got the entire beginning. But what ended up happening was really just that. He he kept gathering the ride watches. Um, his retainer yeah. from the future wanted to make him become Omagio, but uh, his other two friends from the future wanted to prevent him from becoming Omagio. And meanwhile, he's just like, I'm not going to become Omagio because you told me about it. Um, and you see a bunch of people come from alternate fu- an alternate future. You see um, 
you basically just follow his journey to either become or not to become Omagio. And, and then ultimately the twist is, hey, guess what? It's decade rules. He connected all of the worlds. Yes. <laughs> and <sighs> it, it, it turns out that, surprise, this was decade two all along. <laughs> and the thing is, like, on paper, that's a pretty good premise. Yeah. Um, I just felt like every step of the way, this show just kept falling over itself. And yes, I only watched up to episode six, but at that point... We had already seen, uh, we had seen Build come back, X8 come back, uh, Fies come back. We had seen several shorts that kind of gave us some behind the scenes on what their intentions are, and it did not paint a pretty picture. And the fact that you had to, well, you're, you're talking about the point five episodes? Yeah. That uh, bothered me because they basically, I mean... They they explain some of the things. It's just like you got a, an advanced look at some of uh, the rules with how the another writers work. But something that they don't actually introduce in the show, you just kind of have to kind of take it at face value, is that every writer from that particular series has amnesia after the ride watch is made. Well, they, they do explain that. They explain it in the point five episodes, right? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. just in the point five episodes, but they do wait a while in the actual show. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, but you'd you'd have to pay to see that. Yeah, you're you're supposed to. What I think it is is you're supposed to notice that they mm-hmm. sort of lose who they are, and then I yeah. think I, th- I think I feel like it was around the time that Kosuke from Wizard came in. Oh, yeah, that is actually a point where they make it very direct. Yeah, now you mention mm-hmm. it. But yeah, um, it's also like the point five short I'm referring to is like during the X8 arc where really the, the only point of this was to address, hey, we have terms in the script for when these characters lose their amnesia. It becomes before hero and after hero. Or a hero and B hero. And it's it's like... You're telling us that because the X8 Ride Watch exists, none of the writers from X8 come into existence. You're not telling us why. You're just yeah. telling us that's the reality. I, I just, I just kind of wanted to throw in that the best thing to come out of the point five episodes was the fact that they were saying, "Oh, they, sh- they we should destroy Toei." <laughs> oh yeah, the, the yeah. subplot of making fun of Shirakura and the producers. Uh, yeah, I guess, but it just it left a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it really is just kind of a little bit transparent in a direction you maybe didn't want. Like, I yeah. I didn't have a problem with this one, but there was one that I was uh, bringing up with someone recently that I know got rubbed some people the wrong way, where they were stressing the fact that Gates and Woes are from the future, and Schwartz and the Timejackers seem to be from different places. Later, we do find out exactly what their deal is, but in this point five short, Swartz says something to the effect of, I don't think my backstory has been finalized yet, but suffice to say, I'm not from around here. And some people, some people took that like, oh, wow, they really don't have that much figured out early on. Well, I mean, uh, we, we don't figure out exactly what Swartz's thing is. He comes from a special world. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah, pretty much. And you and you find that in the last uh, 
I don't even know if it was double digit episodes. It was just you find it in the final episodes. Yeah. It was well, I mean, so what ends up happening is like Decade gets introduced around the time that he gets like his first power up. And he of course of course that is the Decade Ride Watch, and he uses the Decade armor to take on power up forms of past riders. Um mm-hmm. and then you just sort of see Tsukasa show up from time to time, just sort of dropping in for seemingly no, for seemingly little to no reason, until you get towards that end game where it becomes clear that oh, actually, this hasn't you, you haven't actually been uh, simply traveling through time. It's also been that those riders' worlds have been colliding with yours because Swartz has been manipulating it to do this the whole time. He's been willing the worlds together so that you could unite all of the worlds as one and basically destroy everything. What What's also interesting is that um, I would say take it with a grain of salt because I haven't found any clarification if this happened, but uh, the final stage show happened recently, and apparently one of the behind-the-scenes tidbits they revealed is that Sakasa wasn't meant to be in any more episodes, but people liked him, so they brought him back. Wait, seriously? <laughs> supposedly, if this information is true. But the way that they tied it all together with Decade towards the end gave it... Is clever. <laughs> oh, the, but it, they kind of made me think, like, okay, I I thought that's it, it's, sort of... It could go either way, honestly. Like, it does seem like, uh, like I said, I don't think my backstory has been decided yet. It does seem like they do kind of uh, write things as they go along a little bit more uh, a little bit more loosely than some other shows um, like in the US for example might do it I've been uh, listening to episodes of Konzenshu recently which is a Dragon Ball podcast very good one um, and the episodes I've been listening to were about Dragon Ball Super and its production and it seems like it that's also a Toei production it seems like they were really just working on it just before it uh, was going on TV Wow. So it's like, it's like, wow, Toei does kind of just run wild with this stuff. But I mean, we just got done talking about Build that mm-hmm. felt like it had a more fleshed out story that they had a, a clear idea on from the beginning. It felt. You like. know what I think it is? I think it's the, the quality of the writer. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. And the mm. writer for this show, it's mm. just, it, it, was, it was not good. I mean, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, the, the the tidbit that I've always uh, brought up with this writer is apparently they were probably brought on because they're very good at writing things in such a way that they can be rearranged depending on actor availability. So that's already like a thing that makes you go, hmm. Yeah, that's not a good sign. Yeah, that, that was um, that was a big crossover show. <laughs> and that's a thing, like this show, it is like decade where they, they wanted to bring a lot of past writers back but with this time they actually brought a lot of mm-hmm. actors original actors oh yeah and yeah. depending on who was available uh which felt like it was a lot more it was a whole lot more than you you would ever expect and even the fact that decade was in it for so much it's like i wish all these actors came back for a better show mm. i 
this is one of those questions that I'm sure we'll never get a real answer to, but I wonder if they had to basically ask the TV station or whatever, hey, can we get a bigger budget for this show because this is a big celebratory thing that will probably bring in good ratings? I don't know. Uh, um, but yeah, um, I what made me drop the show was, I mean, aside from the fact that I just felt like the writing was all over the place and they weren't really explaining how the time travel is affecting things mm-hmm. clearly. I mean, it's already tough enough to do time travel in any kind of story, but they felt like it felt like they needlessly made it complicated. It, ironically, the uh, producer Shirakura uh, apparently went on record saying that they were simplifying it as much as possible for the kids. Well, Good a God. big part of the problem. <laughs> is like they 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 had rules and then they had exceptions to rules and i don't know just their whole rule set was not it wasn't defined super well partly because i don't think it was like it was they did they didn't make it any kind of simple they 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 had exceptions to the rules because they had certain things they wanted to do with the plot to do with the plot and i don't know like if they had if they had decided on that they wanted decade to be involved from early on like if they if they had decided that this was actually a a decade multiple world story and that the, and that they were building to a climactic battle with another decade which honestly makes a lot of sense for Geo considering it's a celebration it's a celebration of the entire Heisei era whereas decade was a celebration of Heisei phase 1 like I, I don't know if they if they had decided on things much earlier on, I feel like we would have had a much more solid idea of what was happening with the whole story. Yeah, I, I was gonna say uh, on the subject of the time travel being simple or complicated. I think the big problem is that it's never clear if it's time travel or going to other worlds. And I guess they <sighs> must have decided later on. Yeah, it's decade rules. <laughs> I, I feel like it was probably both. But they kept showing the, the freaking t- clock and the time and the. Yeah, mm. they they specifically lay it out as if you're going to different years, and that to me is like a foot in the ground time travel. Yeah, Just, it's all on the same timeline, even if it doesn't make sense. But then, like also, Shirakuda again on Twitter would th- say things like, "Actually, they're going to different timelines." <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. And then would say like each timeline is supposed to be that show. Yeah, that that doesn't that doesn't make sense. But then, but then it felt like some of the shows they never watched. Because, god dang, like that that was also my big complaint early on was that I thought whoever was writing the show, I it, it was the same writer for at least a dozen episodes. Or no, it was a. Anyway, uh, there, there was a point where the lead writer stopped writing, and it was interesting how the show got better at that point. But anyway, uh, I thought early on, a problem that I have with the show is that it almost seems like he he or she, I think it's a he, um, went in with a very base-level knowledge that maybe consisted of the first two episodes of a show, and maybe some profile. That's... That that's also where my complaint of oh if the main writer didn't exist and the second writers didn't exist that makes sense if you're assuming that the other writers came into existence before because of the main one and a lot yeah. of times they have their own separate st- stories so it doesn't make sense in a t- uh, yeah 
that's also another yeah. one. But I was also thinking, like, Brave would have become a writer independently of X-Aid, for example. Oh, totally, and he was. He yeah. was. But, like, I think that if someone were to not even know anything about these shows or these characters, they would probably go, uh, X-Aid didn't become a writer, so neither did these other guys. And it, it, it felt like they got relationships wrong. Like, the thing mm-hmm. that made me quit the show was the Fize episode. Oh, where, yeah. where Fize and Kaiza talk to each other and they're like, as if they're friends. And they even mm-hmm. say, like, uh, because we're friends. Or they say Tomodachi or something. No, Nakama. Na- right? Nakama, yeah. Which can which, be taken a few different ways. It doesn't matter. Either way, you take away that they were not yeah. that. <laughs> they were. Yeah. They hated each other. Looking back on it, I was thinking, I kind of prefer the relationship they establish in Zio. <laughs> nope. I, mm. I, if you watch, if you watch Fies, you hate Kusaka. You, you don't want oh, anybody to like Kusaka. Yeah. It's just like, I was thinking, I would prefer if they implied some sort of redeemability in Kaisa, is what I'm getting at. <laughs> to, yeah, to the point that, but, to the point mm-hmm. that Fies actually refers to him as a comrade or whatever. There were some things, yeah. okay, but there were some things in Geo that uh, touched on plot points from earlier series in a much more uh, mm-hmm. fitting kind of way. Like, at yeah. least, at least from Later at ones. least from what I can tell, like like you look at the uh, the the uh, Kabuto uh, tribute, yeah, and you see that it's the character who tried to become Kabuto but could yeah. not, and now he has his chance and he becomes Kabuto. It's like a long term kind of uh, I don't want to say redemption. No, that's not the right word, but it's just coming full circle. Kind of, but. I also like the fact that he never became Kabuto because he became Gatak and he became his yeah. own brand of hero. Yeah. Like that was a, a thing about that show that I really liked about Kagami. So the way that I looked at it was that um, one, if you're going to do a Kabuto arc with Kabuto in it, but can't get the actor because he's uh, not acting anymore. This is kind of a clever way of doing it. But also oh, yeah. the other thing that I thought was, um, I don't know. I, I just liked seeing Kagami again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I have no problems with seeing Kagami. I like him mm. a lot. Um, and seeing him come back was really cool. Um, but yeah, something like, for example, the Hibiki arc where you see Kiria, one of the most, like, aside from Kusaka, he's one of the more hated writers of that era. Mm. And seeing him pretend to be Hibiki and pretend like pretend to be an oni and a teacher when he's not and he wasn't it was like never approved or whatever mm-hmm. like i mean you later on you find out yeah he's not a real oni and he can't he can't really take disciples or anything like that um which that aligns with his character yeah i was gonna say but, I, I i found it questionable when the, he just kind of shows him and says hey i'm hibiki but then yeah. when you got to the part two and he re- reveals, oh, he was actually just lying. I was just like, that feels a little bit more accurate. <laughs> did, did he get his compass for that or did he just kind of get? Um, he got to actually become a deci- uh, a mentor for uh, the other kid. That's BS. Mm. <laughs> it, but I did appreciate Todoroki's little uh, character arc in that uh yeah. It's a yeah. very, uh, very subtle character arc because he was a student of someone else, and it did not go well. And mm. he's just like, at the end, he's like, you know, maybe I should 
kind of pass on my teachings to someone. Yeah. And, um, oh, and the other thing I was going to say, um, I remember in part one of these podcasts, we were describing what, what why Kiria is so bad as a character. Mm-hmm. I just realized a very good reference to make is it's like My Hero Academia's Bakugo, except without the parts that make Bakugo redeemable. Oh, absolutely. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. Um, there were some good things about the cameos. Like I liked the writer time with, uh, Ryuki. That was pretty oh, fun yeah. to see. Again. I, I still need to see that. And Shinobi. Shinobi's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't like Shinobi's character as much as I thought I would, but, uh, it was a fun little series and I love those suits, even though even, they did a really good job of making Kit Bash, uh, suits look original. Yeah, and I uh, think. Shinobi. Shinobi is definitely the the best one. I think totally. I was gonna say it took me a long time to realize. Oh, that's actually just the ghost suit with a lot of covering up. Yeah. If we're talking about the Mirai the the Miraiders, I mm-hmm. would so watch a full series about Common Rider Quiz. I think that is a genius gimmick idea that the powers are all based on uh, punctuation. And maybe maybe that's just the nerd in me, but oh my gosh. I still need to see that arc. Mm. He he got a raw deal because you didn't really get to learn anything about him. Mm. Yeah. Compared to Shinobi and Kikai, who... Kikai, I would just want a movie. Oh, yeah. I guess that's Kikaider. I guess that's Kikaider. I well, I mean, I mean, you have aspects of Kikai now in, G- in Zero One, to be honest. Yeah, that's kind of kind of funny how that worked yeah like uh kikai was uh, this me rider where he was a robot but he was a, a common rider and he was protecting mm-hmm. people in a world where a lot where most robots were trying to exter- exterminate humans and now we have zero mm-hmm. one with the human gear and the human gears are manipulated into becoming the monsters of the week and you have these ai powers that are that sort of turn uh turn they sort of turn Arto into like I, I like he's a human but he uses ai powers i guess i'm going to say asterisk he's a human sure yeah things could turn it around but uh, but also i was going to say uh, related to that i would love to know what they have to say about the similarities because to me, the logical thing would be for them to say, yeah, we decided instead of trying to turn one of these into a series one day, we'll just kind of take some idea. I would, I, I imagine that might actually be the reasoning behind Zero One. Maybe, maybe. maybe. I, I, I just really want to see like a, a common writer based around quotation marks to go to go along <laughs> to go along with quiz. I want I want to see quizzes power up where it's three question marks and it's a multiple choice quiz. <laughs> I, I could go yeah. on. <laughs> I am very disappointed in them that they did the hyper battle video about this dumb Gates form when they could have made it into a quiz game. Uh, <laughs> Bibble Gates, come on. They, 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 I don't even know if that pun was intentional, but come on. Man, wow. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Future writers, um, uh, also... Ginga exists. Oh yeah, Ginga exists. Ginga is very thematically uh, inconsistent with with the mm. rest of the 
Like, I don't know, they, they treat Ginga as a full-on power-up for Waz, which is interesting because a tertiary rider gets a power-up in the series and uses it. Yeah. Um, But, like, why is, in this show where the main theme is time and watches, why is his power-up space? Mm-hmm. Space-time. I don't know. I guess. Um, I, let me see. So, I, after episode six, I... I didn't watch a lot until mm-hmm. I want to say 26, 27, whenever they started to do the whole another Geo another Zio? thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I saw some of that and I saw like blades episodes and mm-hmm. I, which I thought was really, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff when it was, when they did the, past writers stuff really well but then whenever it went back to the geo writers and the geo characters mm. yeah i was i was actually about i was just thinking because you said you dropped it around episode six and we're jumping in at the another geo arc i was just thinking yeah if you don't watch the stuff in between it seems like gates is still on the same bs yeah <laughs> well the thing when i watched it i was like these characters haven't changed too much and it's been 20 mm. episodes there's there's subtle things that happen between those episodes, but yeah, it is mostly the same status quo. I mean, and on yeah, I I I fully admit it's on me. I skipped mm-hmm. twenty episodes, so if there's any intricacies that I missed, that's fair. But I could still never get into any of these characters, mm. and yeah, I missed a lot. But I think in between those, Gates may have forgiven uh, Sogo, and then turned back on him a couple times. Yeah, that's something I noticed while I was watching it. Mm. I think uh, the another Geo arc is where he finally just says, okay, I'm on your side for real this time. Yeah, he kind of like fights for him in a way. Well, yeah. well Gates' whole yeah. thing is, has had been he he wants to believe that uh, that Sogo is not going to become Omageo. He wants to believe that, but then he keeps seeing things that sort of make him go back to his old fears about it and he he wants so badly to be good friends with him and he's just he holds back and it was when another g another geo was happening that they sort of had this moment of you know no i definitely want to be your friend and we will make sure that everything that happens in the future does not happen i did appreciate those uh the kind of both kinds of moments where he would kind of warm up to Sogo earlier on. Like there's one point where I think it was the Pfizer Forze arc. There was one point where Sogo gets his usual ride watch and Gates just kind of like stares at him for a second, just kind of turns away like, okay, you can have this one. Yeah. Whatever. But then there's also moments where, you know, Sogo gets ride watches and he's just like, that's what leads to Omagio. This is bad. And then I don't remember what episode it was, but there's one where Sogo manages to talk him into doing something. And then when he's by himself, he's just like, he's a manipulative little. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, oh my God, that's actually a trait of the overall. Yeah. Well, well, you know, the, the real ironic part is the thing that eventually does lead to the, the, the creation of Omagio is Gates dying and telling him do this just do this and that's enough to drive Sogo over the edge and it's like and then in the end they do the reset ending where 
this time he's back he's back where he started but this but he's with his friends that he made over the course of the show he manipulates time to set up a new timeline where sure maybe he'll become the king that he was meant to be maybe he'll become omagio again but he's got his friends there so he, it's probably going to be different this time and I, I i don't know i thought that was fitting but I, but i kind of want to backtrack a little bit because i have some notes here that i had written uh when i had like three or four episodes left in the show and these are just sort of some of my thoughts that i can sum up for you um so i, I wrote that some episodes were handled really well and and felt like they were proper tributes i will always go back to mentioning how disappointing the forze arc was to me because it felt like they only had a very surface level uh, understanding of Forze at that point, and they didn't even have him say Uchukita. He said something similar later on, where it was his, it was that phrase, but like just a little off. Um, that was the one episode that was tied in with Fies, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the the original. That was what the Forze tribute was. It was um like they beat another Forze, but then underneath of that, it's also another Fies. It was a Fies. Yeah. I I I love the point five short where they try to desperately, jokingly explain what the connection is between Fies and Forze. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like the shapes on Forze's limbs are kind of like the symbols for Fies, Kaiza, Delta, and they're like, "What's the fourth one?" He just doesn't answer. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um. Well. Anyway, I so so the two main standout parts from early on for me were. How how disappointing the Forza arc was to me, and then also just the fact that Kudoto was a perfect mashup when they brought him back for the O's tribute, because oh, yeah. here's the thing, you wouldn't think that Kudoto of all people has a connection to O's, but when you realize that the original O's in the story of that show was a king, and then Gio is about becoming a king, and you have Kudoto who thinks that he's a god already. He could easily be convinced that he should be a king, and so naturally the time jackers are going to manipulate him into becoming another Forze or, or another O's, and that was to me just the perfect mashup. But I was also going to say uh, another big thing with O's is that all of the monsters are based on greed, yes. and this guy wants to be a god. Yeah, so it's like. As soon as they said, we need someone with some major ambitions, and then it cuts to Kuroto, I'm just like, that's the connection. <laughs> yeah, no, it was beautiful. I loved it so much. That was probably one of the best arcs early on, and they had a and they had Eiji back again, and that was awesome to see. Um, but as of having three or four episodes left in Geo, my thoughts were sort of that it doesn't really come close to X-Aid or Build, the two shows prior to it, in terms of story, world, or characters. And just as a whole, its structure was disappointing and didn't follow its own logic a lot of the time. But as a show dedicated to paying tribute to past shows and honoring the legacy of past writers, I thought it did okay. I thought it did fairly well. There were there were some bad tributes. Um, but overall, I thought it found its footing by the time Geo 2 came along. The thing is, um, I want to add on to that real quick. When they introduce another Geo, and then they eventually bring him back as Geo 2, and they have this whole connection between this character and Sogo from when he was younger, and it ties into why he became Geo eventually, I feel like they should have introduced that character way earlier and made him be more, much more important to Sogo, because that mm -hmm. would have made that whole arc hit 
much harder. Yeah. Um, but either way, after Geo 2, I felt like from that point on, the show really had somewhere it was going. Um, I, and th- th- those are sort of my thoughts from the story. I already mentioned the ending and how I felt about that. Um, apart from that, I just want to make sure I mention that I uh, absolutely adore Grand Geo as the final form of the Heisei era. I love that it's sort of a reference to Blade King form because King. Um, and I love that it's full henshin sequence and sounds and powers are just like, it's it's sort of like the perfect cherry on top of, of summing up the entire Heisei era. It's like, yeah, these transformations get longer and longer each year, but come on. Come on. Give some leeway for this. That one. <laughs> one was so much fun. It was it just, I I literally spent the the two days after I saw its debut trying to memorize that jingle. Which I mean, it's not that hard. It's it's the names of the riders, but you know. Wait, which one is this? Oh, Grand Grand Geo. So it's not the one that he turns it to after Gates died. No, no. So that's right. Omagio. That's the villain that's right. built up from the very beginning, but it turns out it was just him all along, as though we didn't already yeah. know that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, no. His actual, like, final form is uh, Grand Geo. Is that the one where it has all the writers on his, like... It's the very body? gold one. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's okay. the one with all the writers plastered on him. Okay. So like so okay, like think think of think of Blade King form and its sort of visual aesthetic of having gold plates on it. Now think of uh Grand Geo. It always looked like a bunch of Ghost Sager changers on his body. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, I I I could see that. <laughs> um Yeah, I don't know. It it's I think my favorite Going back to the tributes, I think my one of my favorite tributes, and I'm not even sure if it's just the whole story, but just the way they presented him was Agito. Yes, yes, that was a really good one. And I think I I made a tweet about it a while ago when it was when it aired, but it was the perfect juxtaposition between how Henshin's Henshin mm-hmm. sequences happen now and how they used to happen. Yeah, in the early Heisei area, because when you see you know Geo or Gates transform. They have this whole CG background where it's flipping with the the clock, the watches and stuff, and then um, the letters go and pop onto his face and everything. It's just whole, and there's a lot of noise and sounds and jingles and all that stuff. And the CG behind them kind of looks pretty bad, in my opinion. It looks very. It's a lot of visual noise to me. Like it's this like Geo is like the epitome of visual noise for me anyway. Um, but then you go to Agito, and when he transforms, he just comes out of a dark tunnel, and he just has like light flashing from his belt, and that's it. Just one light flashing from his belt, and you just hear the pulsing sound of his belt, and he transforms, and he transforms bit by bit with each punch that he does, with that he hits with, and it's just, I don't know, the simplicity of it, I was just like, man, I miss simple transformations so much, because now it's just, there's just endless music everywhere and endless jingles which i mean it's fun to have when you have toys and stuff like that but when you're in the show and there's like four writers oh yeah it does everybody get to be transform at the same time it becomes I do, a lot i appreciate when they in the show they have the short version of a certain transformations 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, true. Because especially with uh, Zero One right now, where I love it, but I can also see how it's nice to just have uh, Pro-Rise, Rising Hopper, and then nothing else. Yeah, when he do- when he transforms real quick and you just see the yellow dust from mm-hmm. the transformation as he jumps into action, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, that's cool. The, the the off-screen transformations where it's just like, we've run out of CGI budget right now, let's just do a quick one. I, I, do, <laughs> I do kind of wish that they that they would include the a jump to the sky turns to a rider kick as part of the shortened jingle, just because I love it. <laughs> that's what I was saying is, I love it, but I can also understand that's good to just have like a quick version. Yeah. In yeah. fact, the... the uh, I don't know for sure if this was just like video editing or whatever, but it seems like the Grand Geo Ride Watch actually does have a short version programmed into it. Oh, does it? it? Where yeah. it just like, Grand Time, come in, Rida! And it just like does that last bit. Okay, yeah, because I know they use that in the show. It's like, wow, even the toys are kind of getting into it. <laughs> I really loved watching the full Henshin sequence for uh, Grand Geo. Just the animation oh, yeah. of it was really beautiful. It was mm. the uh, capital M moment for that episode. Oh, totally. And they, they use that full transformation sequence only one other time. That's the big finale. Yep. And it's and I, I just like that it finally gives us an explanation for the uh, the stone peeling off of the Kamen Rider statue, statues in the intro. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I was thinking, oh, it seems like they stopped doing those uh, opening tie-ins after exit. Yep, nope, nope. It nope. was right there. <laughs> That's a cool way of doing it. It was. It was. It was a very cool way of doing it. What was the reason behind that? Oh, oh, it was. Um, so you it, know how in, the transformation for Grand Z. Yeah, 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 yeah. In in the intro of in the Geo OP, uh, they. No, I, they I, have I know the... that sequence, but I'm just like in the story. What's the reason for the peeling of the? Oh. Oh yeah, there is no. no it's, it's literally just the the henshin sequence. Oh okay. It All happens right. in the final form transformation, and that's kind of a cool detail. Okay. Anyway, um, speaking of visuals, um, I'm pretty okay with the design schemes for the writers and their forms, but I am super into the another writer designs. Oh, just like yeah. that that great aesthetic of taking a writer design and just kind of finding a way to make it. Kind of scary. I mean, you know what the most interesting part of the Another Riders is, though? It's the fact that common riders have always been about blurring the line between what it means to be a hero and what it means to be the monster. And so this takes them in the opposite direction. And it's so cool to see. Yeah, I... When we first saw these designs before the show came out, I remember thinking that I liked the... Clean, the cleanness of uh, Geo's design, mm-hmm. even though I, I never, I never liked the idea of having the wristbands go down the body. Mm. I don't know; that just always felt weird to me. But everything else, I remember thinking it felt, it felt interesting. But as yeah. I watched the show, I don't know. Maybe it's because of how much I disliked the show. I started to not like the design, mm-hmm. and now that I look at it, I'm just like, it just kind of. It's kind of there now. Uh, Gates is interesting because of the color scheme, um, but even his like other forms that he has, I just feel like it's way too much. It's like a lot of there's a lot of dimensions to his forms, and it's just a bit too much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I do agree with you guys. I love the another writer forms or uh, designs. They're really creative. Yeah. I think. Like one thing, one thing that I appreciated from the uh, monster designer for this show. Mm-hmm. After the show ended, they posted some drawings to Twitter, which, from what I can tell from their text, it wasn't like unused designs. It was just things that they made in their spare time. Oh, I have to look at that. It was like Mock, Crossy, and uh, what was the other one? Callus. Can you send that to me? I'd like to see what those look like. One second. But. Uh, other than that, uh, as far as the show as a whole, I mean, it's probably not a surprise now, but I just, I really don't like the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it being the first show that I've actually skipped a huge part of it. Like a lot of shows, even if I don't like it, like for like Ghost, when I was like, not really liking the show, I would just, I would wait for a while and then like binge the last 10, like 10 episodes before I could catch up. With this show, I couldn't be bothered. Like, mm-hmm. I missed like ten episodes, then twenty episodes, and I think it was George who was just like, "Oh, they're doing something kind of interesting with the another Geo stuff." And I was like, "Okay, I'll do. I have to jump in anywhere?" And he's like, "Oh, you could jump in around like thirteen or seventeen or whatever." It's like, I'm just gonna jump in now. I don't really <laughs> care what's going on. And again, that could, that's on me that I don't know. I haven't seen whatever growth was in those 20 episodes, but it's just, it it wasn't a show. It wasn't a show that grabbed me. And it was also kind of a show that I guess you could say it offended me. Hmm. It just, it pissed me off so much that I just, I couldn't watch it. You know what? I, I, I'm going to say that, uh, that is fully justified because we're talking about a show that's trying to shove 20 different shows into itself. True, but it's just it 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 gets to the point of oh this is going to be kind of a mess it, it, no matter how you slice it. <laughs> I it didn't have to be though. I mean, you look at a tribute mm. like Gokaiger and it was very well done. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mebius is also a tribute season. Mm-hmm. Ultimate Mebius. That mm. was, and from what I hear, I haven't seen Mebius, but from what I hear, people who have seen Mebius decade. Uh, and go Kaiger, mm-hmm. like before Geo. Every a lot of people said that Mebius was the best one out of those. Maybe it's good, maybe it's not. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I've used I've used that on another podcast too. It's just oh such a good God. name for a pun. Wow. Um, but yeah, as a whole, I think this is easily at the bottom of my list. Uh, I mean, you also said that you you it lost you when with the Fies tribute, and you know they had sort of mischaracterized those characters. That yeah. you know you I, you started watching Common Rider long long before I did. I, I uh, so yeah, you probably have much more of a connection to those characters. You've seen that show. I have not mm-hmm. seen that show. It, it totally makes sense to me why you would drop the show after after it drops the ball so hard. Right. Yeah, yeah and it. I mean, up until that point, we got what? What did I say? We had we had XA, we had Build. Uh, who else was that? Was a, that was the two before Fives, yeah. right? And Forze. Um, I didn't like those tributes either. Like they felt shallow. 
Yeah, like, uh, immediately the show kind of uh, rubbed me the wrong way with Build, where it was like, yeah. Sogo travels back to 2017, where the Skywall is suddenly here, and no one is talking about it. <laughs> and then, and and we just got through a story where they go through all this trouble to save the world, and then you go back and just take away his writer ability yeah yeah like like we get we get two episodes in and then everyone is talking at least in our group chat about you know how is it possible that this happens like this and and what what are we are we jumping timelines now yeah that that's what i was going to bring up is that that was the thing where i was just like okay we're going back to in time to 2017 and the skywall is there and you could go Okay, it's just alternate timelines. Then Sogo goes to the same cafe from Build in his 2018. And Sento and Ryuga are there. And it's just like, okay, come on. Give me me an answer here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It it was very confusing early on. Who's responsible for this? (laughs) It was confusing early on. And then it was just sort of a you-just-have-to-roll-with-it situation. Mm. And it just... That just... Yeah, that that was the start of it. And then... I was not enjoying the show at all. Like it wasn't just the tribute writers; it was the characters, the geo characters themselves. I wasn't really fond of at all. That's fair. Like I can uh, see that. So then, by the time I got to five, I was just like, "Okay, screw this. I'm done." And even coming back to it and see, like, catch like through chatter and stuff, catching up on what happened up until that point, and then going through it, I still felt no connection to it. Like even the whole stuff with. Uh, Tsukiyomi and his her relationship with Swartz and stuff like that and Swartz's ultimate plan and the whole thing about going back in time and planting the idea of being a king to Sogo at a young age kind of thing like all that stuff just felt very last minute and kind of shallow and then you get to the end and you have Tsukiyomi become a writer and being a huge moment and then just nothing like she has one hit it and that's it. And then she dies. And it's like, okay, this show is kind of worth Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like what I was saying about another geo where there's a lot of plot. There's a lot of plot points that happen in the latter half of the show. Like after episode 30 that I really wish were sprinkled more throughout the whole show. And that I think would have helped the pacing. It would have helped just make a better story in general. Because they they had a lot of interesting ideas that were carried out in sort of a rushed manner in the end after a, a whole other after the whole other half of the show was kind of at times struggling to find its footing. Mm. So I, I they yeah. had they had a lot of the, the the pieces there by the end. It's just that they maybe weren't put where they belonged. But that's something that we see in a lot of shows that have a sort of a sloppier story a lot of a lot of stuff happens towards the end to try and mm. retroactively tie everything together yeah because like the, it i i keep bringing up uh schwartz's backstory wasn't apparently decided earlier on and there are things that um he did such as having access to the the writers from the alternate timeline which is a really interesting little thing to plant it makes the other time jackers go wait 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 where's Schwartz getting this power and then once they uh, finally introduce what Schwartz's backstory is towards the end of the show you look back and go oh that actually kind of connects but 
it would have been more meaningful if you were having hints of Schwartz's whole deal throughout the show. Meanwhile, yes. we didn't ever get a backstory for Ora or Ur. Yeah, all you really get to hear about them is that Schwartz got them from other time periods. Yeah. Yeah. I I really... I, we haven't really uh, seen anything about the final stage show in terms of plot, but I'm really hoping that they do something with those two. That would be nice. Hmm. Yeah. My final thought, the best part in the entire show, my my most favorite part of all, apart from the Deno tribute, because the Deno tribute was pretty great, um, it's the part where Sogo becomes Omagio and he tells Waz to rejoice, and Waz is like, what? And, Waz, and he's like, I said rejoice. <laughs> yeah, that also became a meme. <laughs> that was a great moment, because you have Waz the whole show just going, Iwai! And then he doesn't in this one final moment. And Wa and Sogo's like, I said do it! Yeah, you can tell that that became such a big thing that uh, this year, I think, people stopped saying the O's happy birthday when people's birthdays came yeah. along. There were far more people saying, Iwai! I mean... I mean I I mean, like, I did a gift search on, on Discord re for a birthday recently, and I, I searched for, I, I searched specifically for Waz, and one of the <laughs> first gifts that came up was him saying, happy birthday! <laughs> uh, it's interesting to see that trend have, like, change over the years, because mm -hmm. uh, when, I, when I got into Kamen Rider, or into Tokusatsu in general, the image that people used when they said happy birthday was an image from Kamarada Kabuto where mm -hmm. I think it's uh, Punch Hopper before mm -hmm. he became Punch Hopper it went all emo um, he's still a part of the agency and he's forced to I forget what it's doing but he's forced to sit down at a birthday party and he has to say happy birthday and he reluctantly very angrily or begrudgingly says Start singing the happy birthday song. <laughs> and it's an image of him just like pissed off and holding back his anger saying happy birthday. And that was for a long time. That was uh, for a few years. That was what was being used until. O's. And then you had a character that said happy birthday every episode. And then that image of the the uh, it, was, it was either his picture or like there was that drawing that everybody used for a long time. Well, I mean, there's also that video compilation of him saying happy birthday over and over and over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, whenever someone's birthday was on, you know, social media or on forums, they would put that one of those two pictures of O's, uh, the cake boss or whatever, saying happy birthday. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's interesting to now, somewhat, was it seven years later? Yeah. Seven, cake boss seven, finally got, got beaten. Yeah, it took seven years for now to be a, a new... Uh, tokusatsu thing to take over for happy yeah. birthday yeah and that will forever be there uh, until the next one <laughs> um but yeah uh mal your uh, thoughts on geo i feel like um it would be disingenuous for me to say i called it when uh it turned out zeo was kind of a mess but because, like, at the time when we knew that this was uh, inevitable, that there was going to be another big crossover show, 
I think mm. a lot of people just kind of collectively assumed it until uh, we finally got Geo. But anyway, um, there was a lot of hype just like over like what are they going to do in this post-decade world where we've had crossover movies where they get actors to show up. It's like what what could they do? Could they co- go back to these previous shows and kind of tie up some loose ends or, you know, follow up on certain plot points that you know, uh, were interesting. Like uh, the end of Kiba, for example, was one that a lot of people brought up. Oh, that that would have mm. been neat. Mm. I am very disappointed that they didn't do it. <laughs> I like that they at least did the time period flipping thing during that tribute. Hmm. But um, you know, like I was saying, it it would be disingenuous to say that I expected this to be a mess. In retrospect, it makes sense that it was kind of a mess because, like I said, uh. 20 shows in one show but yeah but also it's just like i think early on again like i've said before we've had things like shirakura making comments that conflict with what this show is actually about and um also commenting on how we're gonna simplify this time travel for the kids just a lot of things very early on kind of spelled out oh this is gonna be a rough one yeah yeah that's true. and i feel like because my expectations were lowered because of that i had more fun than i probably uh would have like i think that if i went into it with high expectations i would probably have dropped the show at some point mm. but that has not happened with me in the writer show yet so uh I don't know. I I stick around even when it, the writing gets rough. You know, I feel that. That's what I did with Ghost. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was that way. Mm. <laughs> Until Gio. Gio's the one that broke me. <laughs> I think broke my consistent uh, record. Um, yeah, mm. I, I agree with you. It, 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 I went into the show kind of confused as to what they were going to do. Um, felt like we were for a, for a bit before the show, we got different versions of what this show is going to be and yeah hearing the premise of it i remember not i remember going from initially being okay this could be interesting but then later on as it got closer being like i'm not really looking forward to the show there's nothing really i was i was i wanted to be excited about it once we got the the part about it being about time travel that's kind of where i went i don't know yeah i i remember being conflicted on it because i was like oh it could be cool but at the same time also thinking even then there was nothing is speculation like uh are they going to establish that they're going to different timelines or is this going to be a weird show where they establish that everything happened in the same timeline yeah and it turns out and it turns out what they did was question mark (laughs) yeah and then eventually decade just decade Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think my feelings on the show are pretty clear. This is mm-hmm. my least favorite show. This is the only one that competes with it is Kiva. Ooh. And even then, I'm not sure which is worse, but I ultimately, I think Geo is worse. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I like the designs of Kiva. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Geo just has really no redeeming qualities for me. Um, mm. And I'm really happy that we're in Zero uh, One now. <laughs> I just sort of feel like 
I'm a, I I am kind of disappointed that Geo is the note that we end on. Yep. Just because it did follow X Aid and Build, and I got to admit, after X Aid, I was prepared for something not as great when Build came along, and then Build was also good, and and then I was like, okay, well, here comes the final show of the Heisei era, and it's gonna be it's gonna try and tribute it all and. I don't know. I wanted to believe that it was going to be great. I always go into a show trying to be optimistic. Mm-hmm. I I don't think anything felt particularly off to me until the show started. And, you know, I always... It, it, it always feels a little jarring to start a new show. But, mm-hmm. I don't know. There were There were certain things of this show in particular that I felt could have been done better and should have been done better and should have been established more solidly early on and just mm-hmm. you know though overall it wasn't nearly as polished of a story or characters or anything really compared to the two shows that came before it and i feel like that was i i wish we didn't have to end the hey Sarah on that on that kind of note but me too but i but i am happy that uh, we are moving forward into Rewa and Zero One is looking really good so far. And I'm optimistic for the future. And at the end of the day, I don't yeah. think I personally, for, for for me, I don't think Geo is the worst thing in the world. I like its I like a lot of its designs. I like uh, Grand Geo especially. And I kind of liked its conclusion and some of the things it did to tie in with Decade. So... I found I found yeah. things to like about it, and I'm I'm trying to hold on to that as the things I remember Geo for. I wish it, I wish it were better, but yeah, yeah. what we got. I I will say it, it's easy to kind of rag on this stuff, but I do think that it is at least an interesting conversation piece as a piece of like crossover history. Like decade is an interesting piece of crossover history because oh, crossovers wow. yeah. were. Uh, it you compared the two shows it's like these came out in very different climates i guess you could say for the franchise yeah where it's like uh, now they're able to get actors to come back whereas before it was like they actually got the original blade yeah in in decade anyway um but what i was also going to say is that uh i think that for all its faults geo as a crossover show it's it did things that you kind of wish that Decade did, mainly just getting back actors and actually, quote-unquote, being in continuity with those shows. And I think it's interesting for that. It It's definitely got positives. It definitely made some mistakes that I am looking forward to seeing how the next show in this style kind of tackles. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of typical to say, look forward to this in 2029, but you know what? What's coming up sooner? 50th anniversary so we'll see what happens i mean i don't expect them to do mm. i mean I it could it could very well be a situation like forza where it's like his name is 40 that's it <laughs> i think i think it would be a special movie and mm. maybe i have my specific thing that i've kind of been uh rooting for for a 50th anniversary is i kind of want to see an ova based on the uh manga of the original common writer just cool. like, just like, get us a Kikaider the animation style of a Common Rider. I will, animation. I will do anything to assure a future in which Toei animates more of its hero shows. Yes, 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, so that that's been our uh, Heisei Rider retrospective. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to us talk about Common Rider for nine hours total. Mm-hmm. Over nine hours, actually. Um, thank you. We can't, we can't uh, prevent it. <laughs> yeah, uh, we tried. Um, <laughs> thank you, uh, Mal. Thank you, Brody. Mm-hmm. Um, also, thanks to uh, George and Josh, who are on previous episodes of the podcast. They couldn't be here for the final episode, but or for the final part to the series. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, thanks to everybody who's been on the podcast. Thank you everybody who's uh, been listening to this, all these <laughs> episodes. Um, and we will see you next time for the next episode of Token Air Podcast. Bye. See ya. The Tokunet Podcast is the official podcast of the Tokusatsu Network, your best resource for official tokusatsu news and media. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platforms such as iTunes or Stitcher. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thetokunet where if you're at the writer tier level or higher, you can get early access to episodes and more. Team Tokunet will always be online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and of course our website, tokusatsunetwork.com.